Do, do, five, four, three, two, one. Young Jamie gave me the fake gun pointy fingers. So we're live, Chris Ryan. How are you, brother? Good I'm to live. see you, man. I'm live. It's good to be live, Joe. You haven't gotten any of this interdimensional child molester weed yet? I've been probed. I don't know who was doing it, but somebody was probing me interdimensionally, I'll tell you that. We were just about to talk about getting Alex Jones high on the podcast before we started, and I said, save it. You got to save that. <laughs> Well, see, I'm not that tuned into who he is. I, I just hear, you know, occasionally Alex Jones is this right wing conspiracy guy. And I never listened to him. So I saw he was on your show and I was working at home doing some shit around the house. So I put it on YouTube so I could actually see him like right. doing this, taking his things off, the <laughs> headphones on and off. And the, oh, my God. And the, He's uh, manic. Ah! <laughs> and like for the first hour, hour and a half, I was like. Fuck this guy! About half of what he says actually kind of makes sense to me, and mm -hmm. he's obviously really smart, like right. high IQ off the fucking charts, no doubt. But then he would just veer off occasionally, <laughs> and the more weed and whiskey got involved, the more it was just like this is performance art. This is just nuts. This well, is beyond nuts. Once he started, right right before the podcast started, he was like, man, I want to get a drink, and he went, went into there and he, he he had some whiskey. Did he have some whiskey before I got here? I've been right as you got here. Right as I got here. here. Yeah. So I was already here, and he's like, well, before we get started, let me, give it, let me get a drink real quick. And he went back, and <laughs> I had a drink with him. I'm like, listen, yeah. I'm not going to let him drink alone. We're going to do this right. But it was a dangerous proposition because yeah. Eddie Bravo was here. And Eddie Bravo is Mexican, and uh, Joey Diaz <laughs> says that Mexicans are basically uh, Native Americans, which yeah. he's right. Yeah. You know, like so there's neck, there's Mexicans that were Native Americans that bred with the Spanish. You would know more about sure, this having lived in Spain. Yeah. And so that's and why. Mexico. Yeah. And so and, and when you bred with Mexicans and, you, <laughs> <laughs> and Spaniards, I'll breed well, with anyone. <laughs> well, not breed, but attempted breeding. I've gone through the motions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they look like some of them look like people from Spain and some of them look like Native Americans. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Like right. Mexico is a kind of really diverse sort of a genetic line. Um, but so, you know, the old stereotype about Native Americans that you, know, you get them drunk and the Indian goes fucking crazy. Well, Eddie Bravo, who's Mexican, Joey Diaz is always saying, you get them drunk, that fucking Indian comes out. <laughs> and that is exactly what happened. Yeah. So we got Eddie drunk and he just went off the fucking rails with. He thinks the government's spraying shit in the sky, and he's yeah. been saying it forever. So, so much so that he's constantly he's got like this confirmation bias thing, where he's constantly looking to confirm. So he just like had this agenda that he had to talk to Alex Jones, even after he talked about interdimensional child molesters, right? And Obama's he, mother being yeah. a CIA sex worker. <laughs> <laughs> he's so crazy. Oh, he's awesome. Uh. But. I think people got a chance to see what I see in him because like everybody's like, how could you be friends with Alex Jones? I'm like, yeah. I'm telling you, he's a great guy. He's yeah. a great guy. He's a lot of fun. And he's right about a lot of shit. Well, the thing, all right, somebody emailed me this morning and they're like, uh, you know, cause I'd said, I tweeted like, Hey, this guy's actually making sense. And they were like, dude, he's like a, he denies the Sandy Hook massacre. Is that true? I don't know. Is that true? That's horrible. I don't know. If that's, if that's well, that, true. that's it. I mean, that's the kind of thing that for me, it's like if he's denying that, then fuck that guy. He's saying, you know, Obama's mother was a CIA sex worker. That's just funny. But the, I mean, I, I don't know. The, the, you know what I think? This what? is my my take on him. And I, like I said, I love this guy dearly. Um, I feel like he's a high high power Corvette engine. Yeah. But 
some of the spark plugs <laughs> are not, they're not totally connected. Yeah. So like the Obama's wife is a CIA, you know, that, that or yeah. Obama's mama is a CIA sex slave and Sandy Hook and we've got the documents. There's a few of those things that get through where maybe if he had someone next to him going, let's look at this objectively. Right. Hey, isn't it possible that this could be the case? Or isn't yeah. it possible that that could be the case? And it's the opposite. What he's got is millions of people saying, mm -hmm. yeah, give us more of that. Right. You know? People fucking love conspiracy theories. They yeah. love them. They love them. And you know, here, see, this is where I was I was surprised to be agreeing with him. Because, because we do live in a conspiracy. It is a conspiracy. Modern civilization is a fucking lie. So I agree that, you know, where he's saying, like, you know, we're being, he was talking about sort of, I think he gets into lizard people and that kind of shit. <laughs> I don't thing. think he does. No? He doesn't get into lizard people. All right, well, That's I That's David Icke. Oh, okay. I, I get into uh, super organisms. Like, I uh, think we're embedded in a super organism. You and I have talked yeah. about this before, I think. And that's why we as a species are doing things that are detrimental to our own interests as individual human beings mm. because we are embedded in this super organism just like our bacteria is embedded in us and right. you know you, what, you, do look, you think the super organism is the earth itself like what do you, what do you no i think it's it's technology me too yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's so uh, I mean, you and I and Duncan talked about this yeah. a bunch when we were doing the shrimp parade thing, right. you know, like, because I, I see it as the end of humanity, and it, that is a negative thing, because I kind of like, I like the way we lived for 200,000 years embedded in the environment like other animals and pretty fucking happy and living in the moment and all that, you know? Yeah. Uh, whereas Duncan thinks it's great that we're spreading out into the universe, and, you know, even if we stop being humans to do that. Which yeah, is, it's a it's a fascinating conversation. So anyway, I'm crazy too. Is my right. point right? Mm -hmm. So I think there's a certain amount of craziness that's uh, that's certainly called for. I don't think you're crazy. I think you're looking at like you're extrapolating. You're just looking at what's going on, and I mean it's really clear. What you're saying is absolutely correct. We're not operating in the best interest of the species, right? If we continue, did you see this new crack in in the fucking in Antarctica? Antarctica. Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah, it's grown over the last couple of months by yeah. like a mile. And that thing's like the size of Delaware or yeah. something. Enormous. Yeah. And if it breaks off, Foxville, yeah. just a gigantic floating iceberg, <laughs> like the size of a state. <laughs> yeah. that might just you know yeah. head. To Hawaii and fucking yeah. crash into it. Look at this. Shocking animation reveals how massive, how a massive Antarctic crack has grown 17 miles in the last two months. Hold on, scroll back. And it's inevitable. Go back. Uh, and experts say it's now inevitable that it will create one of the biggest icebergs ever seen. Holy shit, inevitable. <gasps> the size of Jamaica. Oh my God. Oh my God. Look at it. Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, it's so scary. <laughs> it would be so scary to see like a yeah. floating state in the and, ocean. And Fukushima, the radiation's worse than ever. Ever, yeah. And they don't so, know what to do. Yeah, they have no idea how to contain it. Not all problems are solvable. No. Yeah. Well, that F Fukushima scares the shit out of me because they don't really know how to shut off a lot of those ancient power plants. The ones that they first cr created, mm. essentially, they just have to keep running. Like whoever really? the fuck let yeah whoever the fuck let them do that yeah. is so crazy. 
They don't know how to shut them off. Well, see, so much of technology is based on this idea that, you know, when we need, when we face the problem, we'll have an answer to it. Mm -hmm. You know, like dis disposal of nuclear waste, right? Well, right. we'll figure that out. We'll shoot it into space or we'll be You know, they kind of have. They've kind of figured out a way to turn nuclear waste into batteries. They turn it into diamonds that last for uh, like, they embed it into diamonds and it can last, what was it? The, the, the technology, the batteries can last thousands of years. Really? Oh, it's amazing. And well, let's get on that. Well, there was uh, who? Which podcast was it that we were doing where someone was talking about a young scientist? Do you remember who it was? Where they were talking about a young scientist that has these uh, incredible ideas. Uh, oh, Ted the, talk about it. Yeah, I was there. I met him. That was the one I did in twenty twelve or eleven. He he does this little reactor in the backyard. Huh? What's that, Jamie? We've done too many podcasts. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> it was so. it was fairly recently. Just go over the fairly recent podcast and. Vice did a thing on him. Oh, oh, that's what it was. Shane, Shane Smith. Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. yeah, Shane Smith from Vice. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so maybe he's right, or maybe people are right, that we will come up with technology that's going to be able to figure out a way to solve these problems. Well, but, but it doesn't. See, that's the thing. Here we are, Fukushima. Eh, we don't have the technology. Not we yet. don't know how to solve it. And Not now's yet. when we need it. Yeah. You know, or a year ago. Or, you know. And dump. We've been there it dumping is. Radioactive nuclear waste diamond in batteries, the sea. making good use of nuclear waste. So they're going to have these diamond batteries that last for thousands of years, which is really incredible because what Shane Smith was saying is essentially we have enough nuclear waste to power the earth for thousands of years, yeah. power civilization. Like we can literally stop. We can stop all production of batteries and all the different things that we're doing, coal. But here's where we get into conspiracy shit again. They won't let us do it. They'll shut that shit down because, you know, we'll lose jobs. Right? Like right now, they're so? trying to open coal mines again, for fuck's sake. You know? Who's they? Coal miners? Coal mine uh, unions <coughs> and coal mine presidents and the guy, you know, Exxon. That guy from Exxon who's going to be Secretary of State, Tillerson. Wonderful. That's the guy who said, what's the point of saving the earth if humans have to suffer? Is that what he said? Yeah. <laughs> Smart guy. <laughs> What a ridiculous person. <laughs> anyway, so well, I don't want to drag us down. No, no, into no, no, no. We're not. This is not depressing. I, I, yeah, I think we're, we're right though that what you're saying about technology and about we're serving technology. I mean, I've been saying this for a long time that I essentially think that what we're doing is giving birth. Yeah, we're we're a, a larva form. Yeah, yeah, we're like some sort of a butterfly that's gonna you know emerge, or you know we will be a butterfly, and we're a caterpillar right now. Yeah, and we're creating iPhones, and I'm a caterpillar going. God damn it, I I like this caterpillar <laughs> stage, but you know, I don't want to lose it. Don't you think those single-celled organisms like, guys, what are we doing? We're branching out. We're fucking joining together with other cells. Fuck that, man. I like being by myself. I like being essentially immortal, immortal yeah. single-celled squid. It could be, but, you know, some, <coughs> when your your uh, advancing stage requires the destruction of your entire environment and all the other species as well, that's kind of fucked. It is fucked. Well, I don't know if it's all the species. I think rats will be fine. Have you watched that Netflix yeah. documentary on rats? Yeah, no. I, I saw you. You posted some shit, and I was like, yeah, I don't want to see that. Jesus. It is amazing. It is a No, rats will be fine. Keith Richards will be fine. Ha. Yeah, yeah. Cockroaches. No, yeah. But, no. I mean, 25% of the species have gone extinct in the last generation, something like that. Well, that always happens, though. See, this no, is the not, thing. not at this rate. No, I mean, this is a mass extinction event, yeah. but there's always been mass extinction events. There's been a ton of them, and there's 90% of everything that's ever lived is dead. 
Everything that ever yeah, well, living but organism. Obs- but that's obscuring the, the reality, right? Mm-hmm. The, the rate of extinction right now due to human interventions is higher than it's been in probably hundreds of millions of years. Young Jamie can look that up. Mm. Uh, the last, that's the, case, the but last major extinction event was, you know, hundreds of millions of years ago. I think it was 65 million years ago. I think it was the dinosaurs. I think it was the, the what, what killed off the dinosaurs. Oh, okay. And there was also a major extinction event in North America that coincided with the end of the Ice Age. About 10,000 Oh, right, which they attributed <clears throat> to humans. No, no, they don't anymore. Yeah. Uh, well, some people do, but what they're thinking now, um, due to a lot of um, geological data, is uh, asteroidal impacts. Oh, where Randall Carson, mm-hmm. is he on that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I and, never bought that human thing. I think this whole man the hunter bullshit. Because, <laughs> like, they didn't even have bows and arrows. They have atlatls. Right. Which yeah, are cool. True. They're cool. They're a pretty cool invention. Good luck but killing still. a fucking saber-toothed tiger with that. Exactly. And the last ones, yeah. too. There are like five left, and you're going to mm-hmm. hunt them down and kill them? I don't think so. There just wasn't enough people here to do that. Right. And it's much more likely, considering the fact they found these essentially like graveyards filled with woolly mammoths that died instantaneously, right, right. The, the asteroidal impact theory. Also, a lot <laughs> of um, you know the big game died, the, the giant... Uh, uh, carnivores, the big uh, giraffes and all that shit that was here, but also a lot of shellfish went <laughs> extinct at the same time and snails and things like that. Here we go. Extinctions during human era worse than thought. The gravity of the world's current extinction rate becomes, a cl- um, becomes clear upon knowing what it was before people came along. A new estimate finds a species die off as much as 1,000 times more frequently nowadays than they used to. That's 10 times worse than the old estimate of 100 times. Ooh. Oh, that's not good. And that's three years ago. This is a three-year-old article. Isn't that funny? Like three years ago, people are like, yeah, this shit's old, bro. <laughs> shit's from September, bro. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Like any, yeah. we're, we're moving at such a fast rate yeah. that our minds are kind of tuned into that. Yeah. And when anybody, if someone shows you something that's from a year ago, you're like, bro, you're quoting a year-old stuff? Tell me about it. I'm trying to write a book. Like, talk about an ancient technology, you know? <laughs> it's like, I'm trying not to refer to papers that were published 10 years ago, but, you know, how can you not? Isn't I mean, that crazy? 10 years ago is nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Darwin was a long fucking time ago. <laughs> it's like, what we're looking at yeah. is this weird, accelerated existence. Yeah. And it's, it's happening right in front of it, and we've sort of acknowledged it, but we're not recognizing it. We've acknowledged yeah. it. Well, we can't comprehend it. No. Like, we're living in a world we can't comprehend, which, again, gets back to this whole hunter-gatherer thing. Like, yeah. they lived in a world they understood. Right. You know, this whole, like, we, we assume the generational uh, misunderstandings are sort of common human behavior, human experience. But if you're a hunter-gatherer, your parents and grandparents lived in the same world you live in. And they do now. I mean, you, you saw that recently uncontacted tribe, like recently mm. contacted tribe in Brazil. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. They're 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 live they're they're a they're a time capsule. They're yeah. living the way people lived hundred thousand years ago. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really the pictures are amazing. Yeah. You see these people pointing bows and yeah. arrows at helicopters. Like what? <laughs> Have you ever heard? There's a great book called At Play in the Fields of the Lord by Peter Matheson. I've heard of it. I've never read it. It's a beautiful book, man. It's a really good film too. Daryl Hannah, John Lithgow, Kathy Bates, amazing cast. Um, but uh, it's about it's a novel, but it's about this uh, these two guys. Oh, Tom Waits is one of the actors. They play pilots. They're like smugglers, whatever. And they get hired to go in and bomb this uncontacted tribe 
before the missionaries make contact with them because once they're contacted, then all their land gets set aside as a reserve. And this corrupt politician wants to log it and mine and, you know, all this shit. So he hires these two ne'er-do-wells to go in and bomb them. Whoa. And, uh, I mean, I'm not ruining the story. This is like the first 20 pages you get the setup. And what happens is they <coughs> they uh, they go out and they sort of fly over the first day and they see they see the clearing in the jungle and all the Indians run into the jungle and then they're sort of flying low. They're maybe a thousand feet up. And this one warrior runs into the clearing and fires an arrow at the airplane. And they're laughing like this fucking guy thinks he's going to shoot down an airplane with an arrow, you know. And they go back to the village and one of the pilots, it's Tom Waits and... Um, forget the other actor, but he plays a Navajo, and they're like Vietnam vets bumming around South America with their plane, right? And they're back in the, the village, and they get shit-faced, and then the Tom Waits character goes to bed, and the other guy's still hanging out in this little bar, and somebody slips him some ayahuasca. And so he's already drunk. He drinks this ayahuasca. He like, starts hallucinating. He goes out, gets in the airplane, flies off in the airplane in the middle of the night, flies out to this spot in the jungle where they saw where they're supposed to bomb them that day instead he puts on a parachute ditches the plane jumps out oh my god lands in the jungle takes off all his clothes and his pistol buries it in the jungle and then walks naked into the village dude spoiler alert no no that's the beginning <coughs> this is the beginning, that's of the movie? beginning. hold on yeah. a second i'm writing this down at what year is it damn how young is he and sexy the, bitch look at him yeah, and what year was this? The film? 90, 91. 91. Wow, back uh, in the day, son. I was fresh out yeah, of high school. Yeah, there's John Lithgow. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, that's that's how it begins. Peter Matheson's a great writer. He uh, he was a hard hardcore dude, real badass guy. But anyway, um, that's how it starts. So so this guy literally goes back in time, right? Because he's a Navajo, and when he saw that guy shoot the arrow, he sort of had this vision of how his people. Uh, had lost their dignity and their culture had been destroyed and if only they had known what they were facing and these people in the jungle had no idea what's coming for them, right? Right. And so his mission is I'm going to go back and <clears throat> save them because I can tell them what's coming. I can, you know, move through worlds. I can move back in time and it's fucking wild. What wow. a great plot. Jesus Christ, I'm yeah. getting high right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the shit out of me. So... L.A., man. I'm back in L.A. Yeah, what happened? I thought you were uh, going to be an expat. You're going to fucking I, get out of here before the big one landed. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm still, I'm watching. I'm watching very closely. Before it all before went they, down. Before they close the door, I'm going to, I got a way out. What's it like coming back right at the time when Donald Trump becomes president? It's an adventure, huh? It's strange. I feel like, I was saying this on my podcast the other day, I feel like the... Like, you know how the, the solar system is moving? You know, the whole galaxy is moving. So there are all these mess? zones. I got to be careful, man. I'm going to start talking about Don't be careful. Internet. Don't be careful. There's no need to be careful. Think about Tom Waits. Is it Tom Waits? Is that the name of the actor? No, that's the yeah. singer. Okay. Tom Waits and Tom he Barrington. <clears throat> He's actor an actor, too. Singer? Same guy. The same guy? Acted in oh, the movie. Yeah. okay. And then Tom Berenger, who was in yeah. uh, Saving Private Ryan, right? Or Platoon. Platoon. He was the bad guy in Platoon with the scar on his face? Yeah, I think so. Right? Yeah. 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 It was a great fucking movie. Uh, speaking of meteors, did you guys see this in Lake Michigan hit the other day? Yeah, I did. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, a giant fucking hunk of metal from the sky slammed into, uh, or something from the sky, slammed into Lake Michigan. Look at that. That might have actually burnt out before it hit the ground. So you see it like kind of fizzling towards the end? 
it's amazing what the atmosphere does. Just things coming through the atmosphere. Like, remember when uh, the space shuttle lost some tiles and then mm. burned out in the atmosphere? I'm, yeah. good. I'm good, Jamie. <clears throat> it's just amazing that our air, just traveling through the air at a high rate of speed, destroys things. Yeah. Just rips them apart, you know? Burns them up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, th the, the threat of the impact of something that's in space is ever-looming and always ignored. I mean, we rarely think about it until something like this happens. And I think it's just so scary that there's a part of our brain that just puts it off. We just go, yeah, yeah and then move on to the next thing. Nothing you can do about it. It's definitely going to happen. It's happened before. You look up at the moon. There's an amazing video that Neil deGrasse Tyson posted on his uh, Instagram page the other day. And it's a guy using a camera. And he has some incredible lens on it. And oh, he's zooming the moon. Way in on yeah. It? yeah, yeah, I saw that. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, I mean, he's got a really good camera, and you get really. Cl uh, by the way, that might not be Neil deGrasse Tyson's actual page. I think it might be like a fan page, because it links up to Twitter, and the Twitter is Neil deGrasse Tyson fan. So it might not be his real Instagram page. Well, whatever. It's an awesome video, <clears throat> and it gets to. Um, really close up when it gets really close up the thing you see is just craters yeah everywhere yeah well there's, there's no atmosphere to protect yeah, the moon exactly yeah Ooh. but then you whoa just dropped <laughs> chair just dropped and then you start thinking about how much shit is out there like that thing is just yeah. covered it's just covered with well with and these also holes. but time think about how long it's been out there too you know <laughs> and yeah. the one i'm worried about is the solar flare Oh, yeah. You know, because that was it like 1880 or something. There mm -hmm. was a big one in North America and it melted out the transmission cables for the, what is it called? The click, click, Morse click, code. Morse code guys, yeah. the telegraph. So when that hits, like all our computers are gone. Not just our computers, our, our grid. Yeah, the, the transformers are out. So they, they're saying if something like that does happen and you can never predict if or when, it would take months to get power back up. Yeah. And people who live in, like, Phoenix in August, they're Ooh. fucked. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, because you live yeah. in a, a cold place, at least you could burn wood. I mean, people did that for a long time. They figured out fire. There was actually a, an article recently about Neanderthals, and they're trying to figure out when. There's, like, still a debate as to whether or not they actually knew how to make fire mm. or whether they knew how to keep it lit right. once they found it. right. You know, that they would find it and it would be like the sacred fire and they would keep it lit, but they weren't quite smart enough to actually make it. But now they're thinking that might not be the case. They might have, had, but there's a lot of debate on that. Yeah. <clears throat> you, you studied a lot of like ancient civilizations. How much, how much debate is there? Like whenever I hear someone say people definitely did this, and they definitely did that. You know, like when they're looking back at evidence, like as to far as far as like who could handle fire, like who who was the first people and when did they figure it out? How do they put all that shit together? Well, I mean, it depends on the specific case, right? Right. <clears throat> With in the case of fire, what they're looking at is uh, that's ch and, and also because it's so <laughs> there's such a scarcity of evidence, things change really quickly, right? Like for a long time they thought people crossed over the first north first americans were about 10,000 years ago and now they're saying oh at least 14 and now they're finding places in chile where it appear to be 40,000 and now they're yeah. thinking they came over in boats and there were several different you know groups that came in different ways so there's a, a lot of change in that because there's so little evidence that when a new piece comes in it really radically transforms things but with fire what they're looking at is 
um, evidence of fire concurrent with human habitation. So with carbon dating, you can figure out the age of the coals or the stuff that's that's left in the, the ash. Um, and then you'd look at pieces of bone or something that they were cooking. And if you get the same uh, area, then you can figure, okay, they were. this wasn't a fire 10,000 years after somebody ate a rat here or something, right? They right. were cooking it, especially if the bones show charring as well, then they're cooking the food. But that's just in the last 15 or 20 years, the estimate of human use of fire has gone from like 500,000 years to a million. Isn't that crazy? They yeah. just keep backdating things. Yeah. Whew. It's yeah. so fascinating. Do you see those mounds they found in the Amazon? Really recently, they used uh, drones, and they were t- getting these photographs. Drones are satellites. They're getting these images from space, from, from above, oh, rather. Oh, that show, like, grids and things? Yeah, they show all these these uh, structures yeah. that they previously never recognized, didn't notice. Yeah. And some of them look like Stonehenge in the you know, like same sort of shape. Apparently, there's, like, irrigation uh, yeah. canals and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They have no idea. Like, who's the, who, uh, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I have this idea, uh... I I have a lot of I need like a bunch of graduate students because I have ideas for books, but I never get around to writing them. That's Mm. the story of my life. You should be like a I need a staff. Yeah, you should be like a guy who tells like people we need to work on this. (laughs) You're curious, but you're not disciplined. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Or you don't have the time. I got ideas, Joe. I got a lot of ideas. I mean, between doing your podcast, writing your book, and living your life, how much time do you have left? Yeah, living my life takes up a lot of time. I like that about you. Yeah, I appreciate that about you. (laughs) I really do. I appreciate that you uh, you have a very um, very, it's, it's an intelligent, but it's an honest way of looking at time. You know, you don't have like this overwhelming ambition and you don't have like this overwhelming desire to be recognized or anything like that, yeah. but you do have a, an overwhelming desire to have fun and be comfortable and be curious. So you're saying I'm a lazy fucking hippie is what you're, you're saying. I'm saying you're, you're having a good time. <laughs> I think you might be doing it right. I got all the people that I know that are super smart. Uh, you're like the least stressed, super smart dude I know. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> For real. Can I quote you on that? Yes. I'm going to put that on my next book. You, But you are, man. I mean, considering you're always like moving uh, around, you're always enjoying different parts of the world you're always coming back with these crazy stories and interesting perspectives you gathered up but you you don't seem stressed and so many people that i know that are like in your intellectual realm are fucking freaking out all the time (laughs) yeah i know what you mean i mean if i'm stressed it's i get stressed by my lack of stress that's my biggest problem, really. Dude, you, I think you're built for podcasts. I really do. <laughs> I think your your yeah, mind and yeah. your curiosity, it's like uh, you're, you're trapped in this medium. I mean, it's not that I don't think your book is great. I, I, I thought Sex at Dawn was amazing. Why do I keep coughing? Is that the weed? <clears throat> Sex at Dawn was amazing, but... Uh, you you're really well suited for podcasts. Yeah. You're really well suited Thanks. for free-form conversations. You could tell you enjoy it. Yeah. You know, and again, it's not very stressful. No, that's what I love about it. Yeah. I, I did one last night. I, I occasionally do a, what I call a aroma ranting out my ass episode. And it's where it's just me. It's oh, I like no, that. no guest, right? So last night I did one. I'm drinking beer. I'm like reading letters from people and yeah, going off on whatever the fuck I'm going off on. And it occurred to me later, like that, you know, I'm not dealing with the kind of numbers you're dealing with, but. You know, I've got a stadium of fucking people listening to me. Yeah. A fucking stadium, yeah. right? But I am more relaxed than if I were 
talking to a friend on the phone. Because I don't see anybody. I'm just alone, drinking a beer, talking into this microphone. And I don't feel the presence of anyone listening. So I'm totally fucking relaxed. Sometimes to my detriment, I probably say things I shouldn't say and share shit that I meant to keep private or whatever. But it's, it is a weird thing. I mean, like, I was, Jamie and I were talking about this earlier. Like, when you said, hey, Chris, it's been a while. Come this way. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go hang out with my buddy Joe. Yeah. But there are a fucking million people hovering around here <laughs> listening to us. You know, it's really weird. Like, 90% of my friendship with you has taken place here. I know, right? It's so, and it's it Duncan's the same, yeah. you know, Ari's the same, Moshe Kasher. I've got all these friends who I only see when we're on a fucking mic. <laughs> you know, what's really interesting it's is weird. Duncan and I, we were having a really hard time spending time together. Yeah. Because he's always busy. We'd have a really hard time with it. Only a few times we got together and just hung out as friends over the last couple of years. But we did so many podcasts together. <laughs> we would get together up. for that. And yeah. we'd have these conversations. Like, one, one of the things that's unique about this forum is that you have these conversations that are like so isolated from any distraction. And mm. I don't think that exists anywhere else anymore. That's a good point. Just two people looking at each other. That's why I don't like when people look at their phones. I don't like when people like bring a laptop or something like that. Right. It's like, man, I try to close mine right. now. I used to not, I used to look at it. It's not smart. Like yeah. this, the smart thing to do is just put it down. And this form of conversation, that could, like the kind of like, I would encourage people to have podcasts, to have their own podcasts. Not even if they want to, they don't, you don't even have to release it. But by doing it, by just yeah. the act of doing it, you're you're having these conversations, these extended conversations with people, and I think it it exercises your thought process in a way, and the engagement process. It focuses your mind. People used to say, some famous writers said, "I write to to see what I think." Mm. You know, yeah, I've I think heard that. podcasting's sort of the same. The way you're describing it, it's true. It's it's one place where we turn off all the distractions and just focus. Yeah, yeah. I my plan now is to get a van. I want to get a Sprinter van and like put a bed in it and you know a little kitchen. Travel the country. Travel the country doing podcasts. Ooh, that's a great idea. And I had this other idea because because uh, I see you've got enough weight that people will come to you, but I don't want to do shit on Skype and phone. And Me I hate neither. that. I yeah. hate that. Shit. Yeah, it feels weird, right? Yeah, there's delays and yeah. you're talking over each other and you can't see the body language. You don't know if they're yeah. disengaging from what you're talking about or you're, they're getting uncomfortable. Maybe you're getting too personal. You know, mm -hmm. I really like being in a room with somebody. Yeah. Also, the kind of people that I have on my podcast are like you they're people you want to know they're interesting fucking people you know so i want to like hang out and meet their friends and meet the the husband or the wife and the kids and you know sit in the driveway in my van for a few days and get to know the crowd hmm. I and mean, i was thinking i'd love to meet um what's his name down in bisbee your buddy uh the doug stano yeah i'll get up i'd, I'd love to meet doug easy. and bimbo not bimbo <laughs> bingo 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 yeah you would God love them damn, my buddy uh Jake Johansson, do you know him, comedian? Sure, love Jake. Jake's a great guy. So I was at his house, and he we were talking about how comics think differently. Because I was like, I love hanging with you guys because nobody gets offended about anything. You can just say whatever the fuck comes out of your head and out of your mind. It's right. Great. And he was like, we were talking about podcasts, and I said something about uh, Stanhope, and he's like, dude, you got to listen to the cliffhanger episodes. Have you heard those? No. <laughs> what are they? Fuck. <laughs> What did he do? <laughs> oh my God! No, there, it was like three years ago. I went back into the archives and archives and found them. He had it was this thing where he has this couple living in the house in the backyard, 
and like they'd met by chance and then it turned out that he had fucked the woman 15 years earlier after a gig in Reno or something and so now she's with her boyfriend and they're living in the backyard and they're all buddies and the four of them are all the two couples I guess had a sexual thing and it was all cool and it was just really beautiful and they're talking about how they met in the history of the relationship and all that the boyfriend's there the girlfriend's not there turns out the girlfriend's in the hospital about to have open heart surgery that was the cliffhanger holy shit so at the end of this like hour and a half two hour conversation where they're talking about this you know this relationship it it turns out like uh, she's gonna have open heart surgery she might be dead folks tune in next week to find out if she's dead and they're laughing but they're laughing and this was jake's point they're processing grief through laughter yeah and that there is nothing no and they're not denying how intense and sad and scared they are. Right. But they're still laughing. Isn't it funny that grief over death is one of the few things where we demand you behave a certain way? Well, they're Irish wakes, right? Where everybody gets drunk and laughs. Yeah, but... And tells crazy body stories yeah. about the dead guy. That's how you celebrate the life. Mm, that's a good way. Yeah. I think it's a very... This, this imposed sadness, this sort of seriousness I think is very sort of Protestant yeah there's there's a little bit of that but there's also I think we want to know who feels bad you know because if you don't feel bad like tribally I think that's a very dangerous person to have around like say if you die oh it's like a psychopath yeah. filter yeah, yeah, yeah. or something yeah yeah I really yeah. think there might be something to that yeah like we might enforce it and there might be like this uh, urge and instinct to enforce extreme grief because we feel like people who who don't feel that or either not on my team really didn't care about the person that i cared about or might be a psycho right right interestingly some cultures have professional mourners like greece they teach you how japan <laughs> you know you pay them to come to the funeral oh no and they'll wail and scream and oh, cry and and wow. they'll express the emotion so the other people can just sort of chill and wow you know go to the buffet did you see after kim jong-un no ill Kim Jong-il died in North Korea that people were being punished because they didn't mourn hard <laughs> enough They got six-month jail sentences oh, Because they didn't mourn hard enough and they were just the worst fake acting like all yeah. throughout the streets And they're filming it for their propaganda films. Yeah, but it's like see if you can pull some of it up It's kind of hilarious. It's it's hilarious and terrifying North Korea terrifies me and what one of the things that terrifies me the most about it is that it is in our face every day direct evidence that things could go terribly wrong at any point in time with human beings and we got so fucking lucky that we're born who wherever you are that you can listen to this and not have to worry about being locked up for possessing it whether it's in England or Norway or Canada or where, wherever you're listening to this we got so lucky you could have easily been born in North Korea any of us can have been born in a prison in North Korea where you're born as a prisoner and you'll die as a prisoner and that's going on right now in 2017 there is a fucking military dictatorship and they're killing people and imprisoning people and the lights are off at night when you fly over it and they take satellite footage of it you see the lights are all yeah. off like look at these yeah. people wailing on the street I mean it is fucking uber bizarre they're they're all on their knees 
wailing, but not a goddamn tear to be seen. <laughs> they're just they're just throwing their. I mean, they're probably scared to that they're yeah. going to be beaten if they don't wail hard enough. So yeah. they're scared of that. Well, that that'll make you cry. Forces the emotion. But this is this yeah. it is unbelievable that human beings, no different than us. There's no difference between them and us. They're just there. Yeah. That guy could be your neighbor. Like one of those people wailing could be, you know, Francis, your neighbor. And he could be this awesome guy like, dude, what's up, man? How are you? Oh, everything's good. You know, blah, blah, blah. Same guy could be the same guy. Just got born in a better, better spot. These are all women, oddly enough. This is all women wailing. Oh, there's some men. Oh, they have to separate so they don't fuck while they're crying. They don't want any fu fucking monkey business while you're screaming. Look at these guys crying. Ugh. Look at them. Uh, it's so strange. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking so strange. But this is happening today. So I understand this is a different part of the world. But you gotta, uh, we have to all recognize that it's just dumb luck that we were born here. Because there's these systems that that exist whenever you have gigantic groups of people that are at least fairly isolated and these systems these operating systems they 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 get enforced and it doesn't matter where they are once they get enforced they're super difficult to break like those surrey women who cut their lip and stick those plates in them and stretch their lips out and do like that's that's a part of a system mm. that that exists in that area and that system is like, it's, there's, the women are trying to get away from it now. Yeah. And a, a lot of women are like, I don't want to slobber all the time. I don't want to knock my teeth out to put some fucking stupid plate in. Dude, some I, of I heard of a tribe where women um, laser the hair off their pussies. Oh, I heard about that one. Sometimes they wax it, right? <laughs> and they used to just shave it. <laughs> exactly. They used to just shave and it. And they They're wear these shoes with like a big spike on walk. the back so they, they can't, can't walk. walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, incredible yeah. the things and, people will do. And the women wear these like really short skirts. I describe like <laughs> Megyn Kelly's outfit in my bit. Uh, there's a bit I'm working on right now that I d talk about, which she's wearing. It's basically a vagina curtain. <laughs> yeah, I saw your bit the other night. Yeah, that I mean, thing. It yeah. literally is what it yeah. is. I mean, it's just... These beautiful women on TV yeah. on the news, and they're yeah. wearing something that just there's you know of you could lift that up and fuck her with it. That's yeah. part of the that's part of the that's game. That's what a skirt is. Lift that's her, the whole point of it. Lift it up. That's why that fatal attraction Woo. scene with Susan. Uh, what was her name? Not Susan. Sharon, Sharon Stone. Stone. Yeah, yeah that's why the, it was so impactful because we've all shot. imagined that a million yeah. times. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know she did. Look at that! Get the fuck out of Dodge. <laughs> it's just the a shadow. If she didn't have that <laughs> clipboard there blocking the light, the glorious light. Look at this! This is crazy, yeah, man. Yeah. That's cr that's a crazy outfit. That is a sex outfit, <laughs> and I like her. I think she's very smart. Yeah, she's a very interesting too. woman. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens to her now that she's at NBC. Maybe she'll come on the Joe Rogan experience. I don't want it, but be across from her. I'll stammer. You panic. stammer? I panic. You could do it from a remote location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'd have to do that one by Skype. <laughs> I don't be near. Call me in. I'll guest host. I can <laughs> handle it. I can I have, do it. I have a thing for ice princesses. As long as I don't get high. <laughs> <laughs> do you, you like <clears throat> the ice princess? I, there's something about me that uh, I think that are like a very powerful, articulate woman like that is very... Very exciting. Well, see, because that's it. You're the opposite of me. You were saying I'm like a, a stress-free kind of guy. You're all about the challenge. Only some. I'm not like I'm not trying to fuck or anything. Like no, that. like no. not that that kind of challenge. No, I mean, but I am general, fascinated. Like I'm, you came here from working out. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know, and then you like you because it's funny. You talked about my life being like this sort of carefree, easygoing thing. I think of you. You're like. 
you're like the Martha Stewart of men or something. Like you do everything. How do you do? You're living like I, I drop your name occasionally and someone would be like, oh, the, the podcast guy. Like, yeah, yeah. And like his friend will go, wait, I thought he was the UFC guy. Yeah, yeah, that too. Like, but wait, isn't he the like you have nine lives and you're living them all. How the fuck do you do that? I don't know. You're Just like Mr. It. Efficiency. You never sleep. Plus you're a father, your husband. Yeah. I do all that stuff. I, I think it's it's an illusion that it takes more time than it does. With all the stuff that I do, so do you I don't have just a job job. Chill, fuck yeah, really. I chill when I watch like documentaries and shit. But see, that's not chilling. That's watching that's how documentaries. I, chill. I can't chill, chill, chill. You chill. don't just like no. get in your hammock and put uh-uh. your hands behind your head and go nope. doop 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 doop. Nope. You nope. never do that. My brain doesn't work like that. See, my, my brain's like half okay, my day. Right we gotta there. do something. Come on. How long is your shower? I love showers. You take long yeah, ones? Yeah, like a nice 10-minute hot shower. Oh, okay. Oh, so that's so much your, pleasure in showers, dude. You have like a good shit in a shower, and that's your chill time. I went to Alaska uh, to uh, Prince of Wales. No. Yeah. Yeah, Prince of Wales Island. And uh, it is this unbelievably wet spot. And they it rains there more than, I think, anywhere else in North America. It's incredible. I mean, it's just constantly drenched with rain. Southeast? I don't know. Oh. I don't know where it is uh, geographically. I flew in for this TV show, Meat Eater, with my friend oh, Stephen right. Ranella and right. my friend Brian Callen and Giannis Putellis, and we went to this island. It was amazing. It was an amazing experience. So beautiful and so remote and so crazy, and it wasn't even a successful hunting trip, but it was amazing. The experience was amazing. But one of the most amazing things about it was that I was wet and uncomfortable in this weird sort of environment where you never really get dry because yeah. it's constantly raining. Yeah for five or six days and then when i got home i was so happy <laughs> i was so happy yeah. i was happy in a way that i had never been before yeah in a way during a regular day just driving down the street to the studio yeah. and coming in and hanging out with jamie and doing a podcast and i just felt so good i felt so good you felt good to be back or Not just, just that it's you like it see it wasn't i feel good to be back it was i feel good i feel really good yeah. and i think that especially for california the weather here is so goddamn good yeah. that we have a few days where it rains and people literally start to complain. Yeah. And I'm like, do you know how crazy it is that you're complaining that it rains maybe 10 days a year yeah. out of 365? And the fucking light is so beautiful it's after amazing. the rain. It's so clear. Yeah. It's amazing. The, yeah. There's no bugs. Okay, I mean this place is so easy to get by with. There's yeah. very little wildlife that we're ever concerned with. We just live this idyllic, idyllic. What's the word? Idyllic. Idyllic. It sounds wrong though, doesn't it? Well, it's an idyllic. idol. It's not an idol. It's an idyll. We live a fairy tale life. Yeah. You know, for anywhere, anyone else, anywhere in the world. And I think just coming here from the rain-soaked island, like as I was driving around, I was I would realize like, oh, at least for me. I have to go through some intense struggle to appreciate normal existence. There is yeah. no yang without yin. That's it. For me, for sure. And there's no comfort without discomfort. So for me, like for me to be happy and calm and like sit here and talk to you, I, I got to beat the fucking shit out of a heavy bag <laughs> for an hour. Just See, I wish do I had that. And wail on that thing. I wish I had that hunger, I, that need. I've got friends like I can't, I can't relax if I don't run three miles a day. Like fuck, I wish I had that. <laughs> I can re- I can get out of bed and go right to the hammock. I'm fine. Yeah. I don't need to do Beautiful. anything. 
It's good. It's good that you can do that. And well, you know, but it is and it isn't. See, that's I don't get shit done. I need more of that <sighs> because uh, I'd get more shit done. But then it's like, why get shit done? You know, like, what am I trying to get to if I'm already there? It's That's it's, why I think podcasts are your shit. Yeah. Because it's podcasts, be you could just effortless. Just yeah. turn it on and do it. And maybe like the way you're doing it with that ranting, the, the Roma one. Yeah. That's a great idea. Bill Burr does that and it's incredibly entertaining yeah bill burr's podcast one of the best podcasts you'll ever listen to and it's always just him i always watch when he's on your show you guys have a good thing i love him he's amazing and his new comedy uh netflix special rather is out now it's called uh walk your way out it's out right now i haven't seen it yet but i saw him do all that material so i'm sure it's gonna be fucking amazing yeah he's great yeah he's you know He's a hard worker, too. You know, that guy, um, he works on F is for Family. He's got his own uh, animated show. He works on that. Works on a stand-up. Does his podcast twice a week by himself. He just had a kid recently Just had a kid yeah, very, so very recently. intense family thing going yep. on. Yep. Yeah, a lot going on. Great guy. Just yeah. a great guy. It is funny. I mean, Jamie and I were talking about this earlier, how, like, L.A., I've been here a couple months now, right? so I'm sort of getting my head back into it. Everything's the opposite here. Like, even to the point where people think, like, oh, you're living in L.A., they're picturing Hollywood. Where you live and where I live, it's fucking owls and coyotes. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. it, it doesn't look like Especially LA. where you live. Where you live is, like, one of the most awesome spots around. Oh, I love it it's up ridiculous. there, ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's like Montana or yeah, something. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's beautiful. So A lot I, of hippies, though. A lot of hippies. But you don't see them. They smell. Dude, I was sit. I, I was walking, but there's a lot of fresh air. So you know, it's they're outdoors. It's like a dirty dog. It doesn't offend you. You don't get that close to it. Exactly. I was uh, I was hiking up in the hills in Topanga a couple of weeks ago, and I'm sitting there on this trail, taking a you know taking in the view, and I hear these two guys coming up the trail, and they can't see me because there's you know it's a curve, and they're talking, and the one guy says. Uh, so are you feeling anything yet? <laughs> <laughs> so, and the other guy's like, well, my legs feel a little funny, but you know. And- so either he took Viagra and they're going to go, go to the woods to fuck. <laughs> now, see, that he- didn't even occur to me, Joe. I don't know. I, I don't know That's why it occurred to you. You ready to do this or what, bro? <laughs> feeling anything yet? He loosening up? Yeah, it was a bit that I used to do about edibles, where it's like the worst thing you could ever hear someone say after they take an edible is, I don't feel shit. I'm going to take another yeah, one. Yeah, no, don't do that. <laughs> that it's always the case right when Don't people just that. you feel it ah, not really yeah. we want to go one more yeah, yeah fuck it and then an hour and a half later you're in terror just a deep deep state of terror yeah yeah i was called in to consult on a case in spain with a guy that was in a mental hospital and um the psychiatrist who was treating him was a friend of mine and knew that i took a lot of drugs and this guy didn't hadn't taken any drugs so he's like could you just come in and like talk to this guy and see what you think, you know? So I meet with the guy and I'm like, so what's your story, man? He's like, well, look, I was in Amsterdam and I ate a brownie and I wasn't feeling anything. And so then I took these mushrooms and, you know, (laughs) and next thing I know, I woke up, I was uh, in the, a jail cell naked <laughs> and I, had been, I started walking down this apparently they tell me i was screaming and singing it i was like so but are you all right man he's like yeah i'm fine but everyone thinks i'm crazy because of this thing and it's just like i you know i keep telling him it's no big deal that's <laughs> <laughs> like all right so it's I, like the guy from the tom berger movie <laughs> yeah exactly he's just like so i talked really to my exactly. friend i'm like the guy's fine the guy's not crazy he just like 
ate too many fucking brownies in Amsterdam. It happens to everybody eventually. Yeah. If you eat brownies, like too many brownies and mushrooms together. Yeah. It's not good. But it, they work together, though. That's one of the interesting things about marijuana and psilocybin. They're very complementary. Mm. Like, that was what McKenna used to do when he would take a mushroom trip. He would eat the mushroom, and then he would wait um, for it to kick in. And while he was waiting for it to kick in, he would roll joints. And so he would just roll a shitload of joints and then just start smashing the joints. Mm. And then the marijuana would sort of like reach out and grab the psilocybin and embrace it and just create this tornado of awesomeness. Yeah. And that's how he used to trip. And he used to do it by himself. McKenna's thing was about silent darkness. He right. was really concerned with experiencing the psychedelic state in a very undisturbed manner. Like to him, the idea of taking mushrooms and going to an amusement park was insane. Yeah. Like that's, he had no desire to do anything like that. He yeah. just wanted to figure out, and I think what is the, the, the quote? Each time he would try to see how much more he could stand. You know, and he would do that for a while. Maybe he was describing another guy when he was talking about that, now that I think about it. But he was uh, like a proponent of five dried grams. He, what he called it, heroic dose. Yeah, that fucking heroic dose got me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was reading McKenna, uh, and I got this acid from a friend of mine. I, I can't talk about where it came from, but it was like one of these sources where it's like, holy shit, like, really? From that source? Okay. Right from Albert Hoffman's lab. Pretty much, that kind of thing, yeah. So... Because uh, I like I used to be very embedded in that world of like scientists who were doing hallucinogenic mm. research and stuff. Anyway, so I, I can't tell the whole story, but I I decided to take a heroic dose because it was like hey, I'm not going to do a lot more acid in my life. Might as well like go out with a bang. And I took the stuff. And how much did you take? Well, it was liquid. Uh, <laughs> funnily enough, what happened was I this psychiatrist who was a friend of mine he hadn't done any drugs since the 60s back in the days when you could order acid from sandos and they'd send it to you jesus christ right how long did that last that lasted till it was made illegal in 64 or something like that i thought it was all what didn't um lsd go down with that sweeping psychedelics acts of 1970 or Could have been later. Was that maybe LSD went down before that and psilocybin went out afterwards? I don't know. There was a, a bunch of them that were made illegal in 70, yeah. right? Even ones that aren't even psychoactive. Under Nixon. Yeah. 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 Well, in any case, they, you know, it was marketed, LSD was marketed to um, doctors and to psychiatrists and psychologists who would take it in order to experience psychosis so they could better treat their patients. It was called a psychotomimetic. So you could just order it and take it and like, oh, this is what it's like to be psychotic and now I <laughs> understand better. But you think, think about, I mean, from a medical perspective, think about the nobility of that. Like what a cool doctor. Mm. And what an interesting time where it was like, hey, we all need to experience nine hours of insanity so that we'll be better psychiatrists. That's a pretty fucking cool thing. That is very cool. It's you a very know? cool way of looking at it, right? Yeah, it's a lifeguard who jumps into the water, not a lifeguard who stands on the beach and throws you a pill, you know? Yeah, if you talk to a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist doesn't have any psychedelic experiences, you, you, you can understand it because, you know, especially if you're an academic, you want to be respected, psychedelic experiences for the most part are illegal. 
and you know people get weird about it and I could understand wanting to keep it under wraps but if you're not really interested in it at all how much are you studying the mind exactly and you're not experiential uh, evidence is invalid it's, I mean come it's, on it's very valid we know yeah. that there's some extreme effects that yeah. happen with some very potent psychedelics like um, uh, what is it uh, sage what is what is it called um, what do they call it? Salvia. Salvia. Salvia divinorum, yeah. which is essentially sage, right? Yeah. That's that stuff will blow your fucking mind. Yeah. And that shit was available in head shops just a few sure. years ago. I, I had it is some. one yeah. of the most potent psychedelics yeah. known to man. I think it was Ari who had he did it and he he had a life. He lived a whole life. Like three years, he felt like he lived a life. He had friends, he had girlfriends, he broke up with them, he had jobs, <laughs> like the whole deal. The Matrix. And then he came back and he was only gone for like 10 minutes wow. on this couch on, yeah. on a salvia trip. Did we isolate that in a clip? Is that what you're looking for? Yeah. There's a clip of him doing it, and then he talked about what happened later. I think it was with you, maybe yeah. on, a Dun on one of Duncan's podcasts, but here's the clip of him doing it. Yeah. So he, I'm like one of Brian's old podcasts. I yeah, it says Naughty Show. Naughty show. Yeah. Sam Tripoli's podcast on Brian's Death Squad Network. And so he, uh, Ari's. Oh, he's gone right there. So he's gone there. And, and they're all laughing and talking. He, he, ha, ha. Well, this guy's tripping his balls off like he's in another dimension. Touch the tag of my knob. Uh, don't take him off. Please do it, please. I'm not joking. I'm not serious. Actually. Whoa. 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 You're Whoa. 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 Did he think oh he was, God. like, suffocating I don't or know. something right at that point? He explains it during that podcast. Yeah. Yeah, during the podcast he explained He's it. suffering there. But what happened, essentially, I think is they just probably talking too much, and he probably snapped out of it, and he was in the middle of this haze of reality and illusion. I think doing something like that, like, you got to be around people who are going to be quiet. You know, when you do it, you know, they're quiet. When they do it, you're quiet, and you'll yeah. just sit there. Yeah. I did uh after I saw you, saw you about a year ago, I think. I went from here to Mexico. I went to that uh, ibogaine clinic in Tijuana. Oh, you did, huh? Yeah, How I was that. I didn't do the experience. I oh, was just, just there. Just want to see what it was like. Yeah, I was doing a podcast with uh, the doctor who works oh. there, and, and uh, I met some people down there who had um, five meo DMT, Ooh. the cane toe or the toad mm -hmm. thing, and uh, I did that. That was a uh, that was really intense. I'd never done DMT before. I'd done ayahuasca, but never. Smoke DMT. Five meo is the really weird stuff because it's very empty. You uh, you go yeah. away, like you yeah. go you go to the center of the universe. You become everything. I guess. Yeah. How strong? I mean, how much of a, a dose did you get? Did you blast I off? I blasted off. Yeah. 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 Did you feel like that? Like you were gone? Uh, the first few minutes, or, or you know, who knows how many minutes or time, whatever. But the the first period, um, yeah, there was that. 
sort of ego dissolution where it's not me having this experience. It's just fucking experience. Right. You know, it's just what it is, just colors and shapes and wow, right. holy fuck. Right. But then in my case, and, and this just reminded me of it watching Ari there, in my case, what happened was I got uh, overwhelmed by sadness. Ooh. Like I've, cause people, some people I'm close to are going through really heavy shit in the last couple of years. And you know, you sort of, you feel compassion and you, you check in with them and you, you compassion literally means to feel together. Right. Mm. And so you feel it with them, but on another level, it's like, I'm not the one who's got MS, you know, I'm right. not the one who's, you know, got chronic pain and, you know, suffering all this shit. Um, so there's a separation, but what I experienced with that was a, the absence of separation. And I, I was just immersed in the sadness of people I love and, you know, seeing them suffering and not being able to help them. And it was overwhelming, man. Wow. I mean, I cried like a baby, literally. Wow. And, uh, and then I started coming out of it and the room was quiet and it was candlelight and all this. And the person who was sort of overseeing it was really nice and, you know, sort of, okay, you're starting to feel better now and here's a tissue and whatever. And then this music came on and my first thought, my, my first conscious thought was, remember when I write the Yelp review of this experience to mention that the music should be different. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. Because the music sucked. It was this bullshit <laughs> new age shit music. And I was like, if you're going to play music, play some fucking Bach or something. Right. Don't play some Yanni or whatever the fuck this is. Yeah. And, but my, because, you know, I, not that I use Yelp a lot, but it was just sort of like, <laughs> you know, remember to mention this. This could improve the experience for other people. You know, what the, what a weird way of thinking. That's a very weird way of thinking. So I had like this super profound experience encased in the most trivial bullshit imaginable, I guess. Stanhope did that 5MEO DMT back when you could buy it online. Yeah. And he did it at my place. We did it together. But he had never done it before. I had done it a few times when uh, he and I did it. And he did it, and I've never seen anybody get a hit by it harder. Like he literally, he was like slumped on my couch and he was making, he was groaning like, ah. it was, it was disturbing. It was, it was so, it was so extreme that I was wondering, like, I knew that this is like something that the human body makes. I knew that it's one of the most transient drugs ever observed in the body. Your yeah. body brings it back to baseline really quickly. But, but not at that dosage. But yeah. I don't know how much he, it, what, he didn't take that much. Mm. He didn't take any more than I took, but it hit him like a goddamn Mack truck. And uh, he came out of it, and he just kept saying, "Life, life just becomes life, and then eats life and becomes life, and just life just becomes life, and, <laughs> and it just goes on. It just goes on. Yeah, it just goes on. There's no denying that. And he's just looking at me like, wow. I go, you tripped your balls off, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, but I was worried. I was like, I can't kill my friend. I was w literally worried for a few minutes. I was like, what if his body? Just can't handle it. Like, because Doug is world famous for abusing himself. Cigarettes and yeah. booze, and it's just fucking, he's got hernias he can stick out. He could, like, flex his stomach, and <laughs> things will pop out of his gut. I'm not bullshitting. He's hilarious. But, you know, he's a maniac. Uh, he just, he just, he, there's, 
that's not a game, man. Yeah. He's not he's not playing an act. Yeah. That's Doug. He is who he is. And I was thinking maybe this is like slapping a Corvette engine into a 1969 Dodge <laughs> Dart that's got 9,000 miles yeah. and the shaky wheels shocks on the and back. Yeah. Bad brakes and it just seemed like, "Whoa, what have I yeah. done?" Yeah. I shot him through cuz that the, when when I did it, it felt like I got shot through a cannon. It was like like the the experience of the launch like it came on slow like it came on like it took like a few seconds and then once it hit it just it's almost like you're pulling back against a catapult band or yeah. a rubber band or slingshot and just yeah. and then it was just flying to no me yeah. So like where I flew to there was no me yeah. there was no difference between me and the air that's in front of me and the the wood that makes this table and the floor beneath and all the different molecules and atoms like it broke down the existence of everything to some strange geometric level yeah. and it was really intense and totally colorless it's like a big white thing like it would bring oh, you to this really? weird geometric white thing Whereas DMT is comp like NN dimethyltryptamine is five methoxy dimethyltryptamine is five MeO, and it's just a different visual experience than NN dimethyltryptamine, which is the one that brings you these intense visions of geometric patterns and dancing. Like the last time I did it, it was, there were dancing jokers that were giving me the finger. <laughs> they just kept giving me the finger, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I deserve that." Like I, I felt it. Like as they were doing it, they're like, "Fuck you, yeah, fuck, fuck you. you," and I was realizing like oh someone needs to say that to me like oh I'm being a silly person like by even trying to control this trip uh. like by even like thinking that like oh, I'm just gonna go into this I've been doing I've been a good boy I've been doing my yoga and eating healthy and this should be a good a good trip fuck you yeah. it was like fuck you you got no control out of this you better relax bitch. that's what makes it a heroic dose you yeah. gotta let go well, all DMT is a heroic dose. Once yeah. you pass that three-hit threshold, right. goodbye, see yeah. ya, you're gone. Yeah, there's, there's no there's micro-dosing. No, like, no, you're gone, uh, or yeah. you're, you're gone, or you're gone. You're just gone. Yeah, that heroic dose I took, I ended up, I mean, the story was a lot of weird shit happened. So you never got done explaining how much did you actually take? Four hits. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, because I gave this old psychiatrist three hits, and I saw him a couple weeks later, and he was like, oh, that was good, clean stuff. You know, no problem. And I thought, well, if that guy's in his 60s could take three. I'll take four. I met this dude in Montana recently. Very nice guy. His name's Jeff. He was working with us on this meat eater show, and he's told us that he took 25 hits of acid one night. See, I, I went back in the day, I did five or six or whatever, but I felt like there's a plateau. Like, I couldn't trip any harder than I tripped. So I, I don't know that 20 would be... Yeah, you... he just went with it, he said. Forget how he described it. He just went with it. <laughs> I just, last night I watched this um, documentary called The Sunshine Makers about the guys, Owsley and, and the two guys who were making orange sunshine together, the famous acid of the 60s. Oh, yeah. And one of the guys was like... That's all Sandoz, right? That's all Sandoz Labs? No, that was the legal shit in Switzerland. This is the guys in California and Colorado, briefly, who were making the illegal stuff. Oh. Um, and who, who was Orange that? Sunshine. I forget the there's two guys. Uh, one guy was um, here. It goes Jamie's got it. Yeah, oh, it's a documentary. Yeah, Nicholas uh, Sand and Tim Scully, yeah. the unlikely duo at the heart of the 1960s American drug counterculture. Wow. 
Yeah, it's quite good. It's so weird that that was so incredibly recent, but within like a few decades, they had basically erased all evidence of it from culture except for a few fringe people. You know? Yeah, I mean, talk about old research. There were thousands, tens of thousands of scientific papers published on how hallucinogens affect the brain. Yeah. In fact, the serotonergic system, the, the whole understanding of neurotransmitters really was fueled by trying to understand how so little LSD could make you so high. That's what, that's what got people into looking at neurotransmitters and the effects on consciousness in the late 50s. Anyway, I mean, we could talk forever about how... Uh, hallucinogens of change culture but uh what the hell was i saying oh so the, you took four hits. in the movie this guy says <laughs> yeah but the movie this guy says um you know he's talking about how they're like doing the the vats and he's a chemist and he's like every once in a while you know you like touch something and it's hot and you go oh and you put your thumb in your mouth and like oh i just took 200 micrograms of lsd like oh well they were oh, high oh, all the time boy. while they were working <laughs> yeah <laughs> And that's actually 20 uh, hits, roughly, 2,000 oh microns. Yeah. Now, isn't there like a number, like someone told me this, this is maybe one of those urban myths, like you have to register your hands as lethal weapons once you get your black belt. <laughs> that was an urban myth, too. But isn't there an urban myth that like if you do a certain amount of acid, you're considered legally insane? Yeah, I heard that. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if that's true. I hope it is, because then I'm like free and clear. Let me see. Jamie's it real? That's fine. I've heard that my whole I life as well. I remember hearing that as a kid, too. Yeah. Do you remember hearing that it's bullshit? Yeah, it was like seven hits will make you insane. But yeah. I don't know if that's You're true. gone, bro. Like, like legally. So anything you do afterwards, if you can prove you tripped at least, whatever, seven times. I've met people that have done big doses of acid, and some of them have had a really hard time grasping regular reality. And I wonder yeah. if there's a correlation. I wonder if there's a connection yeah. between, like, some of them have, like, really distorted perceptions of what's going on right now. In terms of like like an experience will happen and they'll have a, a version of the experience yeah. and you'll relay your version of that experience and they, they they didn't remember that at all and you're like man I don't know who's got this yeah. right because memory is kind of a slippery thing but I don't remember him saying that to you man I don't remember someone yeah. doing that to you I don't remember that going down like people have these weird perceived interactions that maybe like are a little skewed and you. I always wonder, like, is it the 39 hits of acid you took one night? Is it, I mean, did you blow yeah. a fuse? Can you blow a fuse? But isn't it like, you know, somebody who works out and, and they mess up their back and mm -hmm. you say, well, you could blame it on working out or you could blame it on working out wrong or you could blame it on the fact that you probably already had a structural issue in your back that this just uncovered. Mm. So I think a lot of people who have bad experiences or end up fucked up from hallucinogens they were going to be fucked up anyway. Mm -hmm. And there are psychotic breaks, you mm -hmm. know, like this kid that I talked about earlier in Amsterdam. He had a psychotic break. But generally, you can recover from that and you'll be fine unless there's some underlying structural issue in your personality. Hmm. You know, so I don't know. I, I think it's it's multifactorial like everything is yeah. ultimately. You know? I think you're totally right. That to it completely makes sense. And it's one of the things that you've got to think about when you talk about food or alcohol or anything right. that people wind up getting addicted to. Right. I mean, right. people can blow their brains out on a variety of different substances that are readily available. Right. They and don't really yeah, need We're always to. looking for the reason yeah. for the effect. But normally it's a million right. reasons for an effect. But it's no consolation if your son goes crazy from taking acid. You know, it's one of those things if acid became legal yeah and your son walked into a CVS and and bought acid and did too much of it with his friends and never came back and you had to take care of him when he's 50 
No, it's no consolation. But, you know, a lot of people have psychotic breaks when their girlfriend breaks up with them the it's first true. time. It's true. So are we going to blame women for right. psychosis? You know? I know. It's, it's hard to describe or to really recognize, like, what is a psychotic break? What is, like, real mental illness? And when are you just being a bitch? <laughs> Well, a, a professional should be able to recognize. Uh, I would hope so. But at, isn't least, there a, at least when you're just being a Isn't there an edge? Is there an edge to like mental illness and just being a bitch? Yeah. Like, well, a, like a it's fucking... A We're talking about psychosis, right? Right, right So right. neurosis I'm just going to call her whole... one more time. Dude, don't call her. I've got to call her. No, yeah. you don't. You don't have to call her. The universe is telling me to, to call her. To her. I have to talk to her right now. She'll understand once I talk to her. Yeah. Dude, there is a restraining order. Stop. <laughs> do you want to go to jail? I'm just going to knock on her window. Don't <laughs> knock fucking on her window. do it. <laughs> There's people that get obsessed with people when it comes to relationships. Yeah. And you just go, what? It? People get addicted to each other. They get as addicted to each other as they get addicted to sugar. Easily. Yeah. It's harder for people to break up with people than it is from the kick sugar. People can kick sugar. They decide they want to lose weight. A lot of people do it. But when people break up, like the emotional toll that you take mm. is so devastating. And I think part of the reason why the emotional toll is so devastating, unless being with the person was completely negative. If it was completely negative, then you're like, finally, I'm fucking free. I've had a few of those in my life, and I'm sure you have too. Mm. But there's other ones where you're like, God, this feels terrible. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like it's like a, a emotional flu yeah. that doesn't want to go away. And I think it's because we get addicted to each other in the same yeah. way that we bonded to create these communal tribes of 50 people back in the day. Those instincts still remain, and I think... One of the reward systems, and you would know better than I, of connecting everybody together with this is got to be this deep affection and this addiction that we develop towards each other. Yeah, well, we, we need to be loved. We need to be touched. And a lot of times, if you don't have a partner, nobody's touching you, Yeah, you know, uh, as an adult. And uh, yeah, I mean, love is a funny thing. I, I talk about this a lot on the podcast you know, I guess I'm. People think I'm some sort of relationship expert, <laughs> which is hilarious. Mm. Um, but uh, I, I told this. I don't know if I've told this story in your podcast, but my dad has this golden retriever, and he's had like five of them. They all look the same. I don't know. This one, <laughs> the last one's named Brandy. Okay, so the Fourth of July, they had the dog out in the backyard. And they went to watch some 4th of July thing, some party somewhere. And apparently the fireworks scared the dog and the dog jumped the fence and took off. Oh, no. And so the, my dad and my sister were all freaked out and they were putting up um, uh, signs all over the neighborhood and calling and the, the shelters and all that. Day or two later, they get a call from a shelter. Hey, we've got your dog. Come down. It's like, oh, there she is. So well. take the dog home. They're in the backyard throwing the ball with the dog. And my sister's boyfriend comes home and he looks out the window and he says to my mom, Whose dog are they playing with? She said, well, that's Brandy. And he said, that's not Brandy. <laughs> and then a few minutes later, the phone rings. It's a neighbor. Hey, we've got Brandy. Oh, Jesus. It's the wrong dog, right? <laughs> so what do they do? They took it back to the pound. They should have killed it. <laughs> no, <just> <laughs> you imposter. I'm you're, kidding. <laughs> and eating it. You trying to pretend you're Brandy. <laughs> you're not Brandy. <laughs> You even uh, respond to Brandy, you fraud. But my point, yeah, no, the dog was like, you know, what did I do wrong? Keep I chased your ball, you know? I mean, they, they, were, they sound like a great dog owner. They should have just kept it. They well, should have brought it back to the pound. They should have, exactly. Yeah, that poor dog it didn't. It's like you adopt a kid and like, eh, I yeah. think I'm going to send you back. Yeah, if somebody comes looking for that dog, then call me. Until yeah. then, that dog lives here. Should have been. Should have yeah, been. Yeah, you can't bring it back to the pound. What a fucking drag for the dog. I know. But my point is, 
they're in the backyard with the dog. What are they feeling? My dad's feeling incredible relief. Right. Brandy's back. Right. Love. He loves Brandy. Wow. That ain't Brandy. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because he's still feeling love. That's and I so think we weird. do that in our relationships. We project our need to love on whoever the fuck will take it. Mm. I mean, what's that Beatles song? I need somebody to love. Uh, yeah. And then in the back, you ever listen? In the back, they say, can it be anybody? And then he says, right. I just want someone to love. I don't give a fuck who it is. Right. I, I just want a dog. I don't care. I want a girlfriend. Right. I'll take whatever. What do you yeah. got? You well, know? that's a thing with a lot of people that don't have relationships. They have a bunch of pets. Yeah, because they need someone yeah, or something come home to love. And get that love. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, touch, if you come home, you know? if you're a single person, you come home. Your dogs are so happy to see you. You're like, hello, hello. <laughs> you get your kisses in, get your pets in. Yeah, I mean, dogs yeah. are like emotional band aids for a lot of people. Yeah, even cats. I mean, you have cats, sure, right? Yeah. I, I love cats, and they I don't do give a fuck. They don't give a fuck if you're there or not. But they'll sit on your lap and purr when you pet them. Yeah, they'll accept your love. Yeah, which is nice. Sometimes that's enough. Dogs are better. <laughs> Obviously. No, I can't believe you're going to get into dogs versus cats debate, man. This fucking show sucks now. <laughs> That's right. I forget. There they are, the millions listening in. It's just such a hackneyed debate. Yeah. Dogs versus cats. I'm really into fucking aardvarks, bro. I want a pet aardvark. Yeah. I watched a video online of a wild pig that had eaten through a cow's body and got stuck. And the farmer found the cow and this wild pig uh, is like coming out through a hole in its stomach, like it eaten through uh, the Jesus. cow and got stuck. It's like Jim Carrey in Pet Detective when he comes out of that zebra's Check ass. Check this out. Is this it? Yeah, there it is. You watch a lot of gross shit, man. This is not that gross. See, look at it. It's stuck. Oh. It can't get out of the oh, body. That's the, that's the, the, the pig. skin. Yep, the skin of the cow. It ate through it, but then it can't get its fat body through. It got its head through, but it can't fit the rest of it through. How, how can it not back out? doesn't know what to do it's stupid dumb fucking wild pig i have a friend who has a pig <laughs> a pet pig a pot belly pig you, what are those? <laughs> yeah exactly and apparently pies. it's like really smart and Very smart. affectionate and, yeah yeah it's a know. bummer if there's eating a book, bacon's a bummer if you think about what it a pig is, is it is i keep trying to find cruelty free bacon and it, it's just not there it's not real i can't find you it you got to shoot a pig to get bacon there's a certain amount of cruelty involved in that delicious taste. You ever hear a pig or see a pig die? I've killed pigs. You've killed Yeah. Yeah. They don't die happy. Well, I, the one I killed died real quick. I uh, shot it with a 300 wind mag, and it died instantly. In the head? Boom. No, it was in the body. Like uh -huh. Body cavity, like, blew its heart out. But it died instantaneously. Just 300 fell wind right mag. over. It's That's a big what I, round. I drove a 300, the scope, into my forehead on a uh, 300 wind uh, mag. Uh, that was nice. It's got a lot of kick. Yeah. But it's a good round because anything it hits dies very humanely, very quickly. Right. If you hit it right, obviously. Yeah. But um, wild pigs are a huge problem. And I know that pig, people have a, a problem with people eating animals, and I get that. But there's always going to be an issue, even if we didn't eat any animals. If you don't want all of your vegetables eaten up by wild pigs... Somebody has to control the population because there's no way to control them. They they breed at a staggering rate. Yeah, they breed three or four. I mean, they'll have these litters. They can have litters two, three times a year. They start having litters when they're six months old. When they're six months old, they start shitting out pigs, 
and there's a ton of them. I mean, there's like up around Sonoma County. Up yeah, in, yeah, up in in San Jose, they're eating people's lawns in residential neighborhoods, and they're not to be fucked with either. Oh, no, you don't go out. Hey, get out of here, pig! They'll they'll yeah. kill your dog too. Yeah, they'll fuck your dog up, and slice him up, and yeah. they'll eat him too once he's dead. Yeah. They're, they're tusks, like especially the big boars. Yeah. They're enormous animals too. You're talking about like some of them are. They they shot one at the Tahone Ranch. They think it was about 350 pounds last week. 350 pounds. Yeah. For, and this is a wild, snorting, right. horrific beast. Yeah, it's not. It's not a fat pig wallowing around. They're fast no. and aggressive. They're fast, aggressive, yeah. and ferocious. Yeah. They have a, a what's called a um, a shield plate all around their front body, like where their face is, like from their jawline back. They have this incredibly thick, like leather. And it's to protect them from going to war with other male boars and those right. giant tusks. So they fucking slice each other up. And so these things are just, they're tanks. Yeah. They're super durable tanks who are born at a ridiculous rate. Like there's millions of them yeah. roaming through the country. There was an article that I posted um, on Twitter just a few days ago where uh, the scientists were saying, it's just a matter of time before every county in every state has a wild pig problem. It's just they're they're not stopping the the breeding, they're not stopping the growth, and they're just going to slowly spread out like coyotes. And the meat's good, right? Oh, it's really good. It's so, delicious. I it's mean, dark. it's the perfect situation because you're you're killing something that needs to be killed. You know, it used to be cougars were killing them, and you know, whatever other predators were keeping them in check. There's well, it's no, not. They're an invasive species. They weren't native to North America? No, they're brought over here from Russia. Uh -huh. They're brought over here from Asia. They're brought over here from different parts of the world. Right. There's some ferocious Russian ones that are in right. the uh, Northern California coast that are connected to, I think it was William Randolph Hearst. Uh -huh. I think the Hearst Castle up there. Uh -huh. I think uh -huh. William Randolph Hearst had uh, boars up there. It's one well, more thing. I mean, that wherever they came did. from, they were predators, you know, well, Siberian. Yeah. They, you know, they probably lived in incredibly harsh environments and it's one of the anyway. reasons why they thrive here. Yeah. And my point is, there's no predator now. They're living free. They're not. They're not like pigs that are turned into bacon or in right. these fucking cages where they can't turn around and all that shit. See, that's the thing that gets me. I eat meat, and I have no problem eating meat because, as Doug Stanhope said, life becomes life. You know, life eats life. That's yeah. what it does. There's no getting around that. There's a book called The Vegetarian Myth. You ever read that? Um, yes. There's a woman who was a vegan for 20 years, and then she's like, "I'm going to grow my own food." And as soon as she started growing her own food, she realized there's no way to even grow food without killing stuff. You got to put like the stuff down to protect the garden from the slugs mm -hmm. that kills the slugs. The fertilizer is made out of bone and blood meal. Where's yeah. that come from? Right? right. It's like there is no way to not kill things in order to eat. Even if you're eating veg vegetables, you're still killing things to eat them. Yeah, the, well, that's the connection to the actual food itself, right, right from the source. It gives you this understanding of it, but still, you can you can mitigate the amount of suffering that you put that's out there. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I've got no problem eating something that lived a life, right. a free life, like these wild boars. Yeah. What I have a problem with is the industrial process. You know, wild boars might be one of the few things that we. Um, we almost have enough where everybody can hunt them <laughs> mm. <laughs> because I mean, there's not enough deer. There's not enough elk for people to, to hunt in this country. Like if everybody wanted to do what some people are trying to do, where they're just trying to get all the meat from the wild, right. there's, there's just not enough wild, but there's enough for the amount of people that are doing it for sure. Definitely. It's very sustainable. 
But that's also why it's like really difficult to get certain tags for certain animals in certain areas where they do monitor the population and they say, well, we have like a certain amount here. This is a this is the amount that we have, and this is the amount that we think would be healthy to remove from the population because of the competition for food and this and that. And and you know, so these people compete for uh, not compete, but they, they put in their uh, a, a, for a, like a, they apply for a tag. It's like a lottery. Yeah, system. they might be a thousand people apply, but only a hundred get tags, and now those. 100 most of the time it's it's not even 50 percent success rate so the, the the proposition of going out and just trying to get your own meat it's, it's very sketchy yeah. it's very hard to do yeah not everybody could do it so it's not it's not really a viable alternative to feeding 350 million people no but it could be viable for you and i feel like that's the thing about people when it comes to you know impact we always we have this weird thing where we go well everybody can't do that you're right. Everybody can't do that. Everybody can't live in your house either. Right. Everybody doesn't want to do that. Everybody can't sleep in your bed. Yeah. Every, everybody can't fuck your wife unless you guys are like that, unless you're <laughs> freaks. You know, it's like there's a, a certain yeah. amount of shit you can think of for your own life, like yeah. for your own life. You want to feel better? Go shoot a wild pig. If that's where you get your food. You'll feel better. You'll feel weird. You, uh, Michael Pollan wrote a very interesting essay about him shooting a wild pig up in Sonoma. It's, mm. it's, I think it's included in The Omnivore's Dilemma, his big bestseller, where he wanted to trace the origins of everything, every element of a meal. And mm -hmm. so he built a book around that. But he, I remember reading that uh, essay in The New Yorker, I think, and um, I was struck by how he, he conveys really powerfully the feeling of having killed something where there was this sort of jubilation followed by shame, followed by like a confusion and disgust. And like mm -hmm. all these things were like sort of waves passing through him. You know, he, he wasn't a big hunter. He just right. wanted to have this one experience. Right. And uh, yeah, it's I my buddy Justin's going to take me hunting. Uh, he's been offering for a couple of years now and I want to do it. I'm not a big killer, but I know how to shoot guns and. I feel some responsibility to face the reality of meat, you know? I mean, just face it. You're killing shit, you know? And just because someone's doing it for you in a factory and cutting it up and putting it in plastic, that doesn't mean you're not involved in that process. Would you be one of the people that would adopt lab-created meat? Would you put that in your diet once that, that actually happens? Because they, they're pretty sure that they're yeah. going to be able to make that happen soon. Or would you look at it and say, well, I mean, how would you look at it? I'd want to look at it scientifically and know, you know, what's the nutritional content because right. I'm very suspicious of, you know, these things that come out of laboratories. Yeah. But if it turned out that it was, it tasted the same, the nutritional content was as good as wild, you know, meat with grass-fed omega-3 and all that kind of stuff, the omega-3, omega-6 ratios were right, yeah, I'd eat it. Why not? Yeah, why I eat not? a lot of weird shit, and we all do, or most of us. You know, I would definitely try it. My mother had uh, a bowl of cheese puffs the other day at the Super Bowl. What the fuck is a cheese puff? Oof. Asshole fire. Talk about <laughs> something that comes out of a lab. <laughs> or marshmallows. What are Do you know that they have banned trans fats in the United States, but they allow people to put them in for the next couple of years? In 2018, it runs out. Mm. So until then, you could poison people. Yeah. Until then, you could keep throwing that stuff in whatever the fuck, baked goods and yeah. potato creations. What did we find out that trans fats are in? It was in like 
Microwave popcorn, I think, was one. That's crazy. That stuff's goddamn delicious. Yeah. I love microwave popcorn. And what do you need to make popcorn? It's not, I mean, just make it normally. A little oil. I know. But it's so convenient if you're a lazy fuck. It's the stockpiles. You can't. Right. You got to roll. Do you know the whole, like, sort of fertilizer and, um, uh, not fertilizer, pesticide and insecticide, you know, farm spraying crops and all that shit. Mm-hmm. That all started because at the end of World War II, there were huge stockpiles of chemical weapons that weren't used. Wow. And so they're like, what are we going to do with this shit? We got to sell this shit. And they were like, well, we can dilute it and spray it and it'll kill aphids or whatever the fuck. Mm. And there really wasn't a big problem with pests in the American farming industry. But they had all this stockpile of stuff, and they, Rachel Carson writes about this in Silent Spring, wow. classic book. Yeah, crazy. So it's like there's bacon and eggs. We think that's like a natural breakfast thing. That was invented by an advertising agency. Yeah, we talked about this before. Did we? Yeah, we talked about this, and we uh, talked about how Kellogg's created really bland cereal to keep people from beating off. <laughs> See, that's my shtick right yeah, there. That's yeah, that's a beautiful shtick, though. <laughs> Once people find out that that's true, you're like, what? Yeah. And just think of how bizarre. And the... graham crackers. What? Yeah. yeah. What was graham crackers again? Again, it was Graham and Kellogg were the two sort of anti-masturbation oh, guys. And he thought Graham crackers could keep you from beating off. Because they're so bland. That's hilarious. Yeah. Isn't it hilarious that they, they associated spicy food, like Latinos dancing? <laughs> exactly. Oh, they had pepper. Tacos, man. Yeah, it's tacos. all about the tacos. Yeah, some fucking hot salsa. Yeah. Salsa music. Wow, they're getting crazy. You always associate salsa music with a woman with like a dress that's like slid up the side. Oh, man. All the way up to her hip. See, I wish if I were efficient like you, I would have learned to salsa dance years ago. Well, I'm not that efficient. I don't salsa dance. I can't even ice skate. Yeah. <laughs> I, like how, I like the connection. Somehow in your head, there's salsa dancing, and then right next to that on the shelf is ice skating. Well, ice skating yeah. seems to be something that a lot of people know how to do. Not a lot of Mexicans. That's true. Not a lot of African ice skaters, right? That's why black people haven't dominated hockey. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, they would have taken over that it's shit, too. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> Because ice skating, like, I fucking never learned. Yeah, I can't ice skate either. Really? No. I feel good now. Yeah. My kids can. But my wife I, can. But, like, to me, the sexiest women are the women who are salsa dancing. Ooh. You know? Like, you like them dirty. Sweaty. Latin, yeah. you know, move the way they move. Yeah. And it's all like, well, it's a party. Yeah. And I just love to be out there on the floor, Mr. Cool Guy, yeah. in a light-colored suit, you know? Yeah, like Miami Vice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm picturing. But uh, Loafers, no socks. That's me, man. I like what you're doing. In my dreams. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> Problem but, with loafers, no socks, is me. they could really stink after a while, right? You can get yeah. your, your feet will sweat in there, and it's disgusting, yeah. and there's not a much. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah, I don't know. I'm lucky in that respect, or I'm just totally deluded. But I think I I think my body doesn't stink much. <laughs> I, I have a, <laughs> but I may be wrong about that. I may just have really friendly people around me. <laughs> well, you know how olfactory senses work, right? Uh, they work on change. They don't work on, you don't recognize like distinct smells that uh, last. Like uh, say if you're like oh. living in an area that stinks, you know how those so you people- get used to the smell yes. of baby shit? Yeah. Oh, no, no, not necessarily because baby shit's not in front of you all the time. Yeah. But things that are around you all the time, like your yeah. own funk or how your house smells, right. you're, you become immune to it. Unless there's like, 
Like, if you have a house, like, if you ever had a cat piss in your house? Yeah, yeah. Fucking annoying, right? In my fucking right? bed, dude. And you're, like, yeah. walking around, like, where the fuck is it? And I'm walking around like a goddamn dog trying to find out where my cat pissed, especially yeah. when I used to have a carpet. Ugh. Oh, yeah. It's gross, because you never knew where they pissed. And then you never really it totally sucks, got man. it out of there. And yeah. then they know you never got it out of there, so they find that spot and pee <laughs> on it again. Wretched little creatures. <laughs> Wretched little creatures. Uh, yeah, I, but, I had a um, cat in college. I'd moved into this shared apartment with this woman, and uh, she had this cat named Mao, who was a beautiful cat, big, big sort of whiskers, and just a lovely, beautiful cat. Is she a fan of communism? I don't know. I think it was more like a meow, meow thing. But the cat would like get on a table and he'd put his paws on your shoulders and just rub his face on oh, your wow. face. And you'd be like, oh, what a great cat. And then he would just you know, just freak out and like fucking hit scratch you in the face you? and scratch you and run away. I'm like, oh, this cat's <sighs> fucked, right? Probably got acid. Somebody so fucked gave with this cat. the cat some acid. I think, yeah. Because it was one of these hippie houses where, uh, you know, people were moving through all the time. And... Oh, fucking hippies. Anyway, so I ended up hooking up with this woman and I remember one time we're in my bed and we're having sex and the cat walks in and he looks at me and he backs up to my bookshelf and just psh, oh my god all over my while holding eye contact with me whoa that's disturbing uh, I think he had a thing with this woman and I was oh for sure you had a getting, thing with her yeah because he's probably if he's spraying he's probably not fixed right no he wasn't fixed you gotta yeah. first of all you gotta fix those cats because it, when they walk in on you fucking they're gonna get horny yeah they're freaks yeah especially male cats that don't they don't get fixed they all spray yeah all of them I mean female cats they get in the heat and they start mowing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sticking their ass up in the air yeah I told the story about my sexual experience with a yeah. cat did you see the animation that guy did of that? No, I did not. Who oh. did it? Which guy? I don't There's remember his name, but it's it's on YouTube, and it is so Was well it done, man. Polytune. It's a amazing. dude. It's an animator in in Peru, and oh. he, he wrote to me. He's he's not Peruvian, but he's based there. But he wrote to me, and he's like, "Hey, man, would you mind if I did an animation of some story? A story you tell on your podcast?" And I was like, "Yeah, go ahead. That's great. Like, you don't need my permission, right?" But he picked the one. Of me and you and Duncan, and I'm telling the story about this cat and the pencil and the cat's yeah. humping the pencil and all this shit. Yeah. And it's like, dude, you picked the one story, like, I don't really want the world. Like, the Joe Rogan audience will get it. My audience will get it. But I don't know that, like, Twitter mm. universe is going to get it. So I feel bad because he put a lot of work into it, but I haven't really, like, pushed to promote it much, you mm. know? Um, but it's I can really see what well you're done. saying, but I think your your fears are unfounded. You think so? Yeah. That's fuck good. the people don't. Get you come it. across. You're hilarious in this, Jamie. If you could find this thing, it's called. Uh, it's on my YouTube channel. I remember the story. It's something about if you just Google Christopher Ryan fucks a cat with a pencil, it'll probably come <laughs> up. <laughs> and if it doesn't, I'd love to see what else does. We had a cat that was in heat before she got fixed. We got yeah. her fixed like right when she got into heat. But you would pet her and she would like lift her ass up in the air. Mm -hmm. Just like, uh, like yeah. as soon as you gave her any affection. And she then if like you spank aching. her, they love to get spanked, too. Ooh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I had a cat who would like hold on to the sofa, and I'd spank her pretty oh hard. God. And then I'd like fake spank her, and she'd fall off because she was already <laughs> compensating for it. <laughs> it's her only oh trick. Oh, my God. So you were like beating her off by spanking her. You know, I like- Basically, right? I like to give animals pleasure. Mm -hmm. And normally the way that expresses itself, like in Spain, in our apartment in Spain, I built this whole cat world. Like I built, I got this big piece of driftwood 
and I wrapped um, climbing rope around it so they can climb straight up this thing. Oh, and then wow. there's a series of shelves along the ceiling so they jump around and they can go all around the room and chase each other and wow. hang out up there when you're having a party. They're like up there just hanging out watching people and because they're you know that's where they want to be right? right right and then on the terrace i built this big tree thing that they go on and th there's a hammock in it and the cats get in the hammock and swing and so i love like seeing animals happy right you know i mean maybe in a way my whole my the things i write are trying to make people happy because what i'm trying to do is get people in their natural environment that's mm. what i'm trying that's what i'm writing about you know and so with cats, it's the same way. I want them to be, I want them to, I want to create a jungle for them and a world. And it's so cool because we had three cats and they, once you build this world for them, they leave you alone. They're not like, people think cats are like, oh, you know, it's all pathetic. It's, you know, I come home and me, 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 and it's all, if you have three cats, they have their own life and they're happy to interact with you when you want to, but when you don't want to, they're doing their thing, you know? Wow. It's really it's really good. All right, Jamie, did yeah, you find it? They're interesting little animals, man. I they, love the cats. relationships that people have with their cats. It's very okay. Here we go. What is that? Well, don't don't watch the whole no, thing. No, this is this one's got like a laugh track on it. Huh? No, maybe not. No, no, the laugh track he added that just that's because I was talking about doing this gig in Hollywood. Oh, okay. So it's, it's called uh, Nine and a Half Lives with Dr. Christopher Ryan. If you look it up. <laughs> Why is it not? Okay. It? You should see the image of you, though. You're sitting just like this. <laughs> oh, there you are. <laughs> Let's hear some of it. So the story is, okay, I'm eight years old. It's the 70s, and uh, oh, the animation's parents amazing. are going to a bridge party at their friend's place. And so there's no babysitter. They take me yeah, station wagon. And, yeah, it's like, you know, love American style, the Brady Bunch those days, yes. if anyone's old enough to remember that shit. Anyway, so I'm, I'm like eight. They, they put me in the basement in the, the family room, and they say, keep the door closed because the cat's in heat. Right? Oh. I don't know what the fuck that means. I think it means the cat's hot, so they've got the AC on, keep the door closed. I don't know. So I go down, I watch a TV, and this fucking cat is just like all over the place, rubbing her ass on my leg and just like looking at me and just like, really? Because somebody scratched my itch, you know? And I look down, and there's this pencil on the table next to the, the sofa. Oh, no, you did. Unsharpened. <laughs> and I take the pencil, and with the eraser down, I just hold it there, right? And this cat backs up on this eraser and starts fucking humping this eraser. Oh, no. Freaks me Rips out. Rips the inside of her apart with no. that little metal casing. No, no. But you know what? Male cat penises have spines that come oh out on, when they, on withdrawal that does rip up the inside of the female. Oh. Blood has to mix with cat semen to, to fertilize cats. That's why they scream <laughs> like that, that at saying. night. What happened was, so I pulled saying. the pencil away because it was freaking me out. <laughs> and then the cat turns around and looks at me like, yo, what? hey, what are you doing? That guy, you know, come right. on. And like, like really like shocked and, and disappointed. And I was like, well, I don't know. So I put it back down again. And the cat backs up on it and starts fucking this pencil again. And this time I hold on. And then she comes. And Cats she, have orgasms? Oh, yeah. And she, like, rolls over and looks at me, like, licking her face, and looks at me with love and gratitude. It's the first sexual experience I ever had. And you didn't wow. put your... You didn't no, I wasn't. Put like, your penis against the cat no, when I was no, doing no. that? No, no, no. I was eight years old. I wasn't... I wow. was experiencing uh, it as an idea. I wasn't feeling it as a sexual thing, right? Mm. You, Yeah. 
Yeah. I but mean, when it, you were I like could, but I could teen, see. you probably did that. <laughs> oh, I fucked every cat in the neighborhood. Yeah. Did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> what a great to Dave, Dave Anderson. Anderson. Yeah. Bloodsausage.co.uk. What a... He's great. That, yeah. that animation's amazing. Yeah. It's perfect. I mean, I've probably seen it 20 times, and every time I see details. Yeah. I mean, if you you freeze that frame of the Brady Bunch, or yeah. the you know, Love American style, or whatever it was, like every one of those characters... And I'd love to know how accurate his tattoo is because uh, of your arm. Do you have a T-shirt that says, how dare you? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a phrase you use occasionally. I just say it all the time. <laughs> uh, I don't think the tattoos were accurate. I didn't uh, recognize them. But yeah. whatever. It was amazing. It was you know the Duncan thing with the little pyramid with the floating eye above it sitting in front <laughs> yeah, of him all the time? And he's wearing a serape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's great. And, yeah, what is? Yeah, no, they're, they're definitely not correct. Yeah. But yeah. Um, the uh, the other thing was the car. How the car was bouncing up and down yeah. as you guys were driving. And it's and got like, the wood siding. Yeah. You know, it's like he he got the seventies. Everyone's wearing like leisure suits and smoking <laughs> cigarettes and shit. It's really well done. <sighs> Anyway, I don't, what the fuck was that? Oh, we're talking cats. about giving cats pleasure yeah. and making animals happy. I had a buddy of mine who used to jerk off his Rottweiler with his foot. He used to put his foot on his Rottweiler's dick, and he would like rub it back and forth, and Rottweiler would come. Yeah. And uh, I told my girlfriend at the time, it's a long time ago, and she was so mad. <laughs> she was so disgusted. Yeah. Like, that is fucking disgusting. And I was like, why is it disgusting? The guy's just beating off his dog. Like, the dog can't do it. If the dog could do it, he would do it himself. So well, dog, he's like a friend who dog jerks lick off his it, friend. Though. Dog can lick his own balls pretty easily. Uh, yeah, that's true, but I don't think that's enough. I think he needed more. <laughs> so my friend needs to beat him off with his foot. Isn't put his foot like, on the dog. I think there's like a female sex toy you can get for, for dog? male dogs. Oh. Yeah. There's like a thing that... That makes sense. Like a fleshlight for dogs. That makes sense. Keep yeah. it from humping your leg. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I mean, you want them to be happy. There was this controversy uh, not too long ago. A woman wrote a book about, you know, John Lilly. Jamie just, yeah, uh, I know what you're talking about. I know. Look at this. There it is. Hot doll, the sex doll, doll for dogs. <laughs> and it's shaped like a dog. And you just got to get your horny dog and just back him up onto that bitch. <laughs> wow. That's Not, hilarious. Yeah. Push him forward onto that bitch, yeah, I should say. Yeah, back the bitch up onto him. Yeah. Well, why don't they just make like uh, one of them real dolls for a dog? Give it hair, like the American Werewolf in London out there? Yeah. Something like that, where the dog doesn't feel dirty, like he's got to fuck some machine. Because they didn't put any any like work whatsoever in the aesthetics. Do you think the dogs care? It might, it might feel better for them. They might get a little more excited if it looked like a real dog. And you could give it like a soundtrack, a little. Yeah, like, <laughs> just how we're like looking over a shoulder. Oh, please, please, doggy please style. give me that doggy dick. <laughs> doggy style. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, with the, do the woman who jerked off the dolphin. Yes. That's what, yes. Yeah, well, yeah. what's fascinating about that story is this woman was living with a young a adolescent male dolphin. And this adolescent male dolphin would, they were trying to get the dolphin to talk in a flooded house yeah in a flooded house so she lived in a place where she would uh like have waist high water everywhere she went so the dolphin could swim freely through the house right. and live with her but the dolphin was horny all the time yeah. and so he didn't want to do his studies right so what she did was she beat him off and when word got out that she beat off the dolphin they canceled all the research is that what i thought it, the research 
well, the, they got in trouble. They got in trouble, but recently, because she talked about it recently when she wrote a book about the time. Oh, so and that, she was working with John Lilly, who went right. on to invent the sensory deprivation tank. Well, no, he, I, I think he'd already invented it at the time. He was on like one of the first iterations of it, uh, and he was also giving acid to dolphins. Right. So it might have been that. Yeah, that it was one of those things that led to them yeah. pulling the plug on the research. Yeah. It was either she was jerking it off, and they found out. And they were also, I think the Defense Department was using his research to train dolphins to kill in Vietnam yeah. and to plant bombs and yeah. suicide bombs and they shit. They would suicide bomb. Yeah. They, would tra- they were training them to suicide bomb. Unbelievable. Yeah. Which crazy is crazy. Shit. It's crazy that they, yeah. they felt like that was, well, I guess, look, man, when you're in war, you're already deciding that you're killing people. So the, the idea of killing dolphins to kill people, it's like, and they didn't think of dolphins the way we think of dolphins today either. Like that yeah. that might be something the military would still be interested in doing. I don't know. I mean, maybe they are doing it. They're just well, not they're telling us about up it. a lot of whales with all their sonar testing. Yeah, because they do these intense sound waves in the underwater, and the the whales have very sensitive sound reception oh, organs. Wow. So it fucking blasts them, and you know, does it give them like tinnitus or some shit? <laughs> I don't know. Like a rock band? Yeah, it could like be. The lead singer like, of ACDC can't do yeah, shows anymore. Pete, Pete uh, Townsend, yeah, really? That's the who. He can't yeah. hear anything. Yeah, the Pete Townsend's almost deaf too, right? Yeah, he's yeah. been deaf for a while. Yeah, the lead singer of ACDC, his ears are so fucked up he can't tour anymore. Yeah, I can't go to concerts, man. Like I, yeah. I've been to a few concerts recently. I mean, never. It's not a question of being old. I, I hear that getting older, noise bothers you more. But I've always been annoyed by noise and especially like where they're playing shit so loud that it's distorting the speakers. It's like you're that's not that doesn't sound good. Right. right. Being louder isn't better. But I don't know, that's a weird Yeah, but there's a thing that people like to do. They like to know that they're really fucking partying, man. That's it. Really partying. Turn it up to eleven. You know, and I think yeah. those are the people that need to go to the fucking gym. They yeah. need a heavy bag. Yeah, in house. that's it. See, this is it. This keys back into me being a lazy hippie. Yeah. I like moderate sound. I don't need it all the way up. Get something to beat up, you fucks. Yeah. And stop this. Get it out. <laughs> but, so, you, you know, ever been to the Salton Sea? Speaking no, of I have not, but I saw that you were there recently. I was there I like a photos. week ago. Yeah. It, you should come out there, I, man. I want to. It's an intense post-apocalyptic scene out did there. Did you see that it was John Waters did a documentary on it, I believe? No, I don't know. Um, I, there was a scene in Into the Wild where he, the kid is there. Do you remember that? He's hanging out with some hippies in like a desert. That was in the Salton Sea? Yeah, he was in Slab City, which is in the Salton Sea. Oh, wow. Next to yeah, I've got a, my buddy Tao does a, this year is the second uh, Bombay Beach Biennale he's doing. Oh, look at that. That's yeah, that's that guy. Salvation Mountain. That's that guy that has been making this mountain. Yeah. Out of uh, art and like painting it for years. Yeah, it's all about he mixes, God and Jesus and love. And yeah, he mixes paint and straw and mud, and uh, he built this whole thing. Yeah, it's crazy structure he's been working on for decades, right? Yeah, he died a couple of years ago. Oh, well, he she's did? hot. Is that Kristen Stewart? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Her dad used to be the uh, one of the the producer guys on uh, Fear Factor. He was like, 
I don't know what his official title was, but he was like the guy who got everything together, like got everybody in place and made yeah. sure everything was running. It's like a big job. Yeah, he was like the guy on the street, like while everything was going on. Really good dude, fun guy, crazy man, and that's uh, that's his daughter. Huh. And I was always like, dude, shouldn't have your kid act. She's so young. Seems crazy. <laughs> She'll never make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While she was a Twilight girl, yeah. became like one of the most famous actresses uh, see, alive I, at the I moment. I never saw her until Saturday Night Live a couple of days ago. Oh, really? Yeah. So what was she on Saturday Night Live? What was she doing on there? She hosted. Oh, no kidding. This last, yeah, just this she last She got some week. new movie coming out or something? I don't know what she was doing. I don't know what she was promoting, if anything. I didn't catch it. I just watched it because that scene with uh, Kathy Bates doing uh, Sean Spicer. Did you see that? No, but I heard it was awesome. Oh, it's fucking I haven't seen ass, it. Man. Megan McCarthy, not Kathy Bates. Oh, Megan right. McCarthy. Thank <laughs> you. Bates. I, I, I keep saying Kathy Bates. <laughs> it's, I don't even think it's Megan McCarthy. It's Melissa McCarthy. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Son uh, of a bitch. Right. Correcting your correcting. Thank you, young Jamie. Thank I think that that show, Saturday Night Live, is all the evidence we need that Donald Trump needs to do mushrooms. Yeah. Because he keeps tweeting about Alec Baldwin doing that sketch about him it's and saying insane. it's not funny. Yeah. Like, dude, why are we laughing? Yeah. Tell me what's going on. Why are we laughing? Like, if someone's shitting on you, look, it doesn't feel good. I know it doesn't feel good. But it is funny. Yeah. You know, and Alec Baldwin does do a fucking amazing impression. It's, incredible. it's, it's, it's his best work. Right. It's right up there with that whole fucking closers get coffee. Oh, uh, Glenn Glary, Glenn, Glenn Ross. Glary, Glenn Ross. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. mean, that rant that he did in that movie <laughs> That's is insane. Fucking epic. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think this Trump impression's right up there. Yeah. It's really good. It's really good. And it's getting better, too. <laughs> yes. the, the more he does Look it, the better. He <laughs> looks more and more like him. Yeah. You know? What yeah. does it say there? Bad news for Trump, Saturday Night Live, in the midst of a ratings renaissance? Yeah. Of course it is. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why. You yeah. know, the, Saturday Night Live is like a show that goes in cycles. You know, you have these cycles of greatness. And then, you know, it's like they try to find themselves. Yeah. People leave. New people struggle a little yeah. bit. There's always something good there. But it's almost like... Uh, it's really, it's got to be insanely difficult to create a new show every week. Insane. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Total dog dog environment. Too. Yeah. And even, like, you look, if you go back and look at uh, videos from the Glory days, you know, the Dan Aykroyd days and, you know, John Belushi and all that, there was still a lot of filler in there. Oh, for sure. You know, we remember the Trautomatic and, you know, the the great moments. The samurai, John Belushi samurai <laughs> character. <laughs> exactly. You couldn't do that anymore. That'd be cultural appropriation. That'd a be lot racism. Of shit you couldn't do. You probably couldn't yeah. do the we're two wild and crazy guys. I don't know. I mean, they were yeah. white. You know? Right, they were white, but they were definitely foreign. But could you do yeah. Borat? Could you do Borat today? I don't know. I mean, Borat was just a few years ago, right? Yeah, but it might be different. If he tried it today, incredibly racist. Yeah. Oh, my God. And he's like, a, he's like an orthodox Jew, that guy. The, the comedian who does Borat. Is he really? Yeah, he's like a seriously religious, you know, honors the Shabbat and all that kind of stuff. Serious Jewish practicing Jew. I forgot his real name. He's Ali G to me. Yeah, Sasha me too. Baron Sasha, Sasha Baron Cohen. Baron Cohen. <laughs> He's Ali G. Yeah. <laughs> Ali G's his best work. When he would interview people and they didn't know yeah, he no, was Ali G. That. He can't do that anymore. But when he interviewed, like, he interviewed uh, Buzz Aldrin. No. Who yeah. explained humor to him. <laughs> right? <laughs> that was one of the greatest moments ever. <sighs> He's explaining yeah. humor while he's in the midst of a joke that he doesn't know is happening. Yeah. Oh, poor Hilarious. Buzz. Poor Buzz. Poor Buzz. He got owned. Yeah. But you know who my favorite, uh, one of the few where he wasn't getting owned was uh, Ralph Nader. Oh, Do you yeah. you remember that one? Yeah, Ralph Nader just kind of went with him. 
Well, what happened was, so Ali G's doing this whole thing where they're talking about the environment and global warming, and he says, well, but, you know, isn't a major cause of global warming the cow farts? And so shouldn't we just, you know, put balloons on cows? And, you know, he gets into this whole thing, right? And Ralph Nader's looking at him, and you can see when the balloons on the cow's asses thing comes out, Ralph Nader's like, I, oh, wait a minute. And so he just sort of... When Ali G finishes talking, he says, well, you know, scientists have been working on that, but it's very hard to develop a valve that perfectly fits a cow's asshole. <laughs> and, then, and then it cuts, right? And then you, it just cuts. And then the next scene, like after commercial or whatever, you see Ali G and Ralph Nader rapping together. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. It's really... Did he do one of those with Trump? But Trump oh, walked did. out. Trump walked Let out. Me, on let's it. play this. And I'll be a fool if very quickly. Get in trouble, but what yeah. is the most? Are we going to get in trouble right now? Yeah, hold on. Hold on. What are we doing? Hold on. He's going to do something. Why are we getting in trouble? Well, we get our shit pulled from YouTube all the time if it has content in from someone else's video. Oh, really? Yeah, you can't even play the audio. So. What is the problem with ice cream? Are people listening to this? Audio will. Audio will, but you two people are not. Yeah. So we're, we're watching this, and Donald Trump is getting upset at Ali G. People are just yeah, hearing silence. Like, Let's yeah. just kill it, then. Yeah. It's just stupid to do it this way. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's um, whenever someone's content gets played, like anybody who owns this video, we play their video, we get pulled off of YouTube. Yeah, this is one that would get us yanked. And then what do you do? Yeah. You have to go, like, yeah, cut it out? Yeah, you have to cut it out. Put it back up? Yeah. 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 It's, uh, I get it. Yeah. You know, I get it. They want people to, but we always try to tell people to go to that video. Well, that's it. You're sending yeah. traffic their way, right? But it's funny. Go find it. Go find it. And, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I didn't know Sasha Baron Cohen. Was it, is he a practicing Orthodox Jew? I believe so, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. Because you think of comics as, I mean, I think of, do you know other religious comics? Hmm. Because there's an irreverent, an intellectual irreverence. There I are feel. a few. There are a few. Um, Jim Gaffigan's Catholic. Oh, yeah. He's, that's sort of his shtick, right? Don't know if it's a shtick. I think he's actually a practicing Catholic. How much of that is legit? No, I, but I mean that's his, his sort of identity. I don't mean it's yeah, not no, legit. I, know what you I mean. just mean like he's the family man. He definitely is. Yeah. <clears throat> what is this? Is this him? Sasha Baron Cohen says, I wouldn't say I'm a religious man. I'm proud of my Jewish identity, and there are certain things I do and customs I keep. Uh, okay. He tries to keep kosher. And attends synagogue about twice a year. Yeah. He tries to keep kosher, but he's not saying he's. Re wouldn't say he's a religious Jew, but he tries to keep kosher. All right. Yeah. That sounds like he's halfway in. <laughs> he's got one foot in, <laughs> one foot out. I mean, you got to think about the movies he makes. You can't. You can only be so religious and yeah. make those movies. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, this whole thing about comics thinking differently. Uh, Saturday, I was at um, Jake Johansson's house. He does this Cajun cooking every. Christmas and uh, I was there and there was a guy uh, Haney a comic last Haney um, uh, Alan Haney Havy? Havy yeah yeah Alan Havy uh, who I recognize from Mad Men and you know and then since I met him I've seen him everywhere he's on that uh, the man in the high castle and all these shows anyway so we're there and we're talking and we're talking about this thing we're talking about the Stanhope by the way, I didn't finish that 
cliffhanger thing. Okay. But if someone wants to listen to something, go check those two episodes out. Do you remember but the names of the episodes? They're called, they the, called cliff, cliffhangers? the cliffhangers. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it's very intense. Huh? Mm. It's very intense. Anyway, so we're talking about this, and I said, uh, "Have you guys seen this movie, The Aristocrats?" Because it's really about how comics think differently, you know, yeah. like how nothing is offensive. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's a great movie. And that really gets to it. And, you know, whatever. The conversation continues. So then I go home and a couple of days later, I'm sitting there and I had a copy of The Aristocrats. And I thought, I haven't seen that since it came out. I'm going to watch it. So I watched The Aristocrats. They're both in the fucking movie. And neither one of them says anything to me. Right. So it's again, it's this L.A. thing where everything's the opposite of of what I consider normal. So in LA, I thought about this a lot because it was so shocking to me that they were just like, oh yeah, it's a great film. And then I'm watching and like, there they are. Right. How do you not say, oh, we're in that movie. Right. How do you not say that? It can only be that in LA, like name dropping is so uncool that cool becomes what you don't say. Yeah, it you could be I mean? that. That definitely could be it. Because people see famous people all the time in L.A., so it's like if you're like, oh, I saw Joe Rogan in the supermarket, people are like, yeah, yeah, whatever, man. It could also be that some people don't like talking about their work. Some people mm. some people avoid talking about, especially like talking about the work of stand-up when they're, they're not talking to a stand-up. Yeah. That, I do that. Really? Yeah, yeah. So you would just, you wouldn't mention that you were in the movie? If I could get away with not mentioning it, I might, <laughs> I might just skirt out of there. That's funny, man. Because I'm, well, to you, I would. I'm still a small town boy, because to me, it's like, you're in a movie. Holy uh, shit, man. Like, to you, I would, tell I would certainly tell you that I was in that movie if yeah. you brought it up, but yeah. you're my friend. But yeah. if I didn't know you and some weirdo at a party, <laughs> I got to take a chance with no. just talking about stand up to you. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah. All right. Hey, look at the over there. Chips. Gotta go. <laughs> Woo! Cheese puffs my favorite yeah, yeah. And so i get cornered sometimes i mean you've been cornered sometimes by people that just want to ask questions at you like they're interviewing you yeah, yeah. so what's going on with, like like right now i get a million people that want to corner me and ask me ufc questions because ufc just sold for some oh, astronomical yeah. four billion dollar whatever it is figure right and uh so everybody wants to talk to me what's it like with the new owners what's it's like oh gotta go gotta yeah. go yeah, you become like uh, someone that you're you're instead of having a conversation with people like you're they're interviewing you. Yeah, yeah, and it's one on one. It's not it's going about, out yeah. on TV or something. Well, it's not even that. It's like I don't you know I don't necessarily want to talk about my yeah. work details right. and issues. Like what's right. it like working with my new bosses? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who gives a uh, shit, man? Yeah, it's just yeah. Not, you know. Do you compartmentalize? A lot. I mean, is there the UFC part of your life and yeah. there's the stand-up part of your life? And, <laughs> it has to be yeah. the UFC because I don't swear. I very, very uh, rarely like say shit or something Is that like hard? That. No. No, it's not very hard. I just, uh, I just, I don't think it's necessary. You know, like no, um, I, I when I'm doing. But I mean to keep, because you're used to talking freely yeah. on the podcast. Is it, I, I don't mean does it no, bother no, no. you? No, just no, like, no, is no, I didn't it hard mean that. I didn't think you meant that. Right. I mean even difficult. No, it's not difficult because yeah. it is a different, a, a totally different mindset. Because right. I'm, ne I'm never trying to be funny. Uh, like, do you remember when like Dennis Miller used to host Monday Night Football? Yeah, he did it for a little bit. People yeah, got so mad because he was trying to be funny. He was cracking jokes. Right, intersect. And I remember th remembering that. Yeah, and I didn't even watch it, but I remember people were, like really pissed at Dennis Miller. And I thought yeah. about it, and I was like, Well, I don't do that, and I'm not gonna do that. And it's like he, you know, Dennis is a joke writer. He's yeah. a jo he's got he's a joke teller. 
I have I have bits. You know, it's kind of a different kind of comedy in the first place. But then on top of that, it's like that thing that's going on to me doesn't require much of me. What it requires is me to explain things. Right. That's it. Right. So it doesn't require personality or flair or senses of humor or uh, unique points of view, other than unless I recognize something, like a pattern that's happening in a fight that allows the people at home to enjoy it more, and it allows the person who's fighting, the two people that are fighting, it, it represents them in an honorable way. Yeah. So that's my goal. That's all I'm trying to do when I'm there. I'm just trying to do my best to, to give justice to what I'm seeing. And you to do honor. a great job of that. I mean, I, try. I, I don't even, I'm not into UFC. I've started watching it since I've been hanging out with you, you know, and and I've gotten to know some of the personalities and I've watched the whole Ronda Rousey thing and, mm. the, you know, this guy, the Irish guy. Conor McGregor, yeah. you fuck. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's pretty compelling. Uh, and I think you do a very good job of that. Your ego isn't in play at all. No, it can't be. Yeah, I try, you're, you're I try as much as possible. You're just reporting. Yeah, I try as much as possible to stay outside of it. I mean, I'm, a, I'm, I'm thinking because I want to, I mean, I'm constantly trying to stay on the ball, but uh, at my best, I'm just doing it, you know? It's like yeah. I, I have to be just tuned in, well-rested, well-fed, hyped up, <laughs> ready to go. It's Because it's a yeah. six-hour thing. So I sit down for mm -hmm. six hours. And oftentimes it's a, it, it's always at least ten fights. It's usually eleven or twelve. And you do all, yeah, you, you all do of all of them. All oh, of them. They from don't the just bring you in for the no. last few. No, I actually like doing it that way because huh. what happens is I get warmed up. Uh. So I do like the first because like sometimes fighting is so crazy. You have to go. Oh yeah, okay. There's a fight going on. You know, like you're sitting. In, I mean, even though I've done it, I've called at least. A thousand fights, probably closer to two thousand. I don't know how many actual fights I've been in front of while doing comedy or commentary, rather. But it's at least a thousand. Let's say it's probably like fifteen hundred or something. But even though that's the case, to this day, when one starts, I I go, okay, this is a fight. This is what's going on. And by the fifth fight of the night. I'm totally in the groove, mm. and I'm just laser-focused, concentrating on the action, trying to pick the right words, trying to describe it in the right way, and trying to give that uh, give that perspective to someone at home that might not be seeing something that I might be seeing. Yeah, well, especially all the, the wrestling, grappling techniques That's a big shit. part of it. Yeah. That's and a big part of it. People so, are used to seeing boxing, and they yes. know what an uppercut is or a yeah. hook or whatever, but... Yeah, when they get on the ground, I have no idea what's going on, and you're talking about the arm bar and mm -hmm. the, you know this and that. Yeah, that's the most difficult. Are you below the stage, or are yeah, you, yeah? So I'm you're looking up below. At it. Yeah. So it's do like, you see what's going on 100%. on the other side? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Well, sometimes I don't see. Like if the referee stands in front of me, and then I have to look at monitors. Oh, you have a monitor. So I have two yeah, monitors in front of me that yeah. give me two completely different angles. Do you get splattered by sweat oh, yeah, and I've been blood? Blood. And shit? I've really? had blood splatter on me before. Yeah, yeah I've gotten in my mouth before. One guy was talking to me, and his nose was uh, broken, and every time he was talking, it sprayed, and I felt some of it go on my lips. It's like, yikes. And you're, you're like on Thank TV, God, live television. Yeah. You can't be like, cut, give me a fucking run. No, no. I mean, he was oh, talking man. to me, and blood was coming out of his mouth. Oh, um, Jesus. Yeah. I've gotten sprayed. But look, that's a easy part. You know, yeah. their their job is was difficult. Like that's someone's blood. Yeah, like that. The guy getting hit. And they're all tested. Oh yeah, HIV and all oh, that. Yeah. You're not everything. Yeah, everything, everything, yeah. everything. And uh, you know, guys have been stopped from fighting because of certain things that have come up in those tests. Mm. Uh, diseases and all kinds hepatitis. of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sure, yeah. hepatitis for sure. Some organizations have uh, you know pulled guys off cards because they found they have. Well, you should. Infectious I mean, diseases. That'll go yeah. blood to blood. You're 
that's a bad thing to be getting. Staph infections are a real big deal too. Sometimes yeah. people will get staph from the fighter they're fighting, and you find out the guy had a like a sore, a staph sore, and he wasn't alerting anybody to it. That happens. Uh, happens and a lot of that's often. antibiotic resistant now. Yep. Yeah. 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 Staph is scary stuff. Yeah. And it's one of those things that sort of rarely gets discussed, but um, super important to keep healthy skin flora. I tell people this is one of the most important aspects of it. Don't use antibacterial soap. Yeah. Don't do it. You're going to ruin your skin flora. Right. You're, just, you're, you're fucking agent oranging your whole skin. Yeah. Like, don't do it. People think they're going to be healthier that way. Oh, I'm just going to use antibacterial, and that way I won't get any diseases. You'll get, like, crazy warts on your hands and shit. Yep. Like, you got to be real careful with that stuff. Yeah. You don't want to kill that flora. Yeah, you know, the flora, this is something I researched for this book. The cesarean section is a big problem. Yeah, Because right, you right. don't get the vaginal yeah. bath of uh, skin flora. Yeah, and the, also intestinal. They've actually rubbed vaginal, fl like, whatever that jazz is, on babies yeah. post-birth that have sure. been given cesarean sections just to, to sort of get that. it on them. Because if you don't, it gets colonized by whatever's floating around in the air. Yeah. And you don't want what's floating in the air in the hospital. Fuck yeah. You know? Yeah, it is a crazy thing, you know, that there's a process and we don't, we don't, we think those some details of that process, we can, we can skirt around that one. We don't have to blow the pussy out. No, no, no. We're just going to go through the roof. We're yeah. going to pop, pop a sunroof on that bitch and just right. And I've got a golf on Monday, so let's yes. do this. You let's know. stitch them up. Everything's yeah. going to be fine. She looks great in the vagina. It retains its 100% elasticity. <laughs> Goddamn, it's like a we, rose. I mean, we have to acknowledge we're a couple of guys here who are never going to have our taints slit. Oh, so, I get it. I mean, I get it, too. But, I get it 100%. But it's tough. Yeah. But I have a friend, and his, uh, his wife like specifically was saying, a baby is not blowing my pussy out. Not going to happen. Yeah. She, she's going through the roof no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking get it. It's a so it's such a primitive way to give birth. Yeah, you know, you know the weirdest one is the <laughs> hyena, the hyena that gives birth out of that fake dick. Yeah, big clits. Yeah, hyenas have massive clits. Well, it's a faux penis. Yeah, I mean it, it literally looks like a giant dick. It's just and they're bigger. That's what's fucked up about them. They have a baby out of that thing too, and they ride the male and try to fuck them with that fake dick. Weird hyenas. animal, man. Hyenas. Ooh, we're so lucky we don't have so all those over here. So I was in Africa since I saw you. Oh, what did you do over there? Yeah, so I was in Mexico first, then I was in Thailand for six weeks, uh, and then I was in Southern Africa. I did a 10-day safari wow. in Namibia, Botswana. Yeah. How was that? Uh I wouldn't do the same thing again. Uh, it was a, it was cool. It was the wild dog safaris who do this sort of like uh, low budget, get in the van and sleep in tents at night kind of thing. Right. And I picked this like massive thousand fifteen hundred mile whatever like see all of southern africa you huh. know which was dumb because you're just sitting in a van most of the time. What kind of shots did you have to get? I didn't get any shots for that. Really? Yeah. No, there's no yellow fever there. There's some malaria, but I've been in lots of places with malaria, and I just avoid mosquitoes. How do you do that? You don't. Uh, you have a make sure you have a good net on your bed. Uh, you wear long sleeve, light colored clothing. Light colored. Yeah. Like white or something yeah, like that. Yeah, white. Cause, so they really are attracted to darker colors. Well, I think it's because you don't see them. You know, if you're if you have a white sleeve, you'll see them landing and flying around. Oh, I see. You're just um, constantly on the alert for yeah. little disease carrying monsters. Yeah, and also, you know, I'll, I'll occasionally use some of the DDT shit on my ankles and my uh, neck and stuff. Um, but the other thing is, you eat a lot of raw garlic. Oh, I've heard I've heard that. That's yeah. real. That yeah. does work. Well, I mean, that's I've been doing it for years. When I was on the road backpacking in, you know, 
places, tropical places, I was eating raw garlic every day, which is really good for your intestines, by yeah. the way, your in, intestinal flora and all that. But your skin smells like garlic. Yeah. You start sweating it out right away. Oh, I smell like garlic all the time. People complain. I, I love the smell. I like it too, but it's not good on your breath, right? Agreed? Well, what what you do is you <laughs> chop it up, right? Right. Put it, throw it in your mouth and drink it down with water. Uh, you don't chew it. I chew Chewing it. Chewing it's what gives you the breath because it gets in your teeth. Mm. So if you take it like pills, you'll get the garlic belch right. and you get the garlic skin, but you don't get the garlic breath. I would feel like I'm cheating because uh, I'm kind of a glutton for those uncomfortable moments when you know you're doing something good. Like you're chomping down the garlic and you feel those juices hit your tongue and you're like, mm. whoa. Yeah. You feel that and your nose starts opening up like, Woo! Mix it with some uh, fresh ginger. I just throw it down, man. Yeah. I, I de- anytime there's any feeling at all of stomach disease, mm. disease, yeah. or if I feel bad, I don't I feel like I'm a little run down, I just choke down a bunch of cloves of garlic. It's the other day I, I did it and it hit me so hard I had to take a knee. I was like, oh. Really? Yeah, like as it was going down, I was like, whoa. I mean, I could have stood up if I wanted to, but I <laughs> wanted to sit down for dramatic purposes. Like, wow. You took a knee. You were praising the I good like, Lord oh, garlic. Oh, my goodness, garlic. What are you doing to my insides? I had a horrendous stomach virus right around New Year's. Yeah. I went through my New Year's Eve show convinced I was going to shit myself. I was like, there's going to be a point in this show where I'm just going to have to shit myself. And I, and I thought about it all day before the show. I didn't eat anything. Oh, I didn't eat anything man. all day. Yeah. Like uh, from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to bed. I mean, I was having broken fire hydrant experiences in the toilet. Liquid. Yeah. It was just yeah. like, where is all this coming from? Right. You know, like I, I couldn't believe it as it was you happening. You were losing weight by yeah. the minute. Yeah. yeah, it was blowing out of me. Something inside of me was terrible. Like whatever it was was terrible. I had these farts that were, they, they smelled like fermented fruit mm. and death. Like death mixed with this fermented- like sulfur? Like like the most rotten meat you huh. could ever cut. Like if you opened up like a, a refrigerator and the power had gone off while you were on vacation, yeah. you came back and there was some hamburger meat that was rotten. Uh. It smelled like that uh. and like f- like sulfur and like a sweet, like a vinegary, almost like a fermented sort of a, a smell to it. It was were horrendous. Were you getting sulfurous <laughs> belches? Were you getting sulfurous no. bel- uh. It was all going on inside my stomach because I wasn't eating much. And it was uh, it's something that went around through my whole house. My, my littlest oh, daughter right. got, she, I mean, I didn't know what she was going through, but she was just constantly complaining about her stomach being really awful for like a, a whole week. We were skiing in Aspen, and that's oh. when, it, when it kicked in. And when I get back, I was like, oh, no, like, this is bad. Have you, ever, like, like, had a, show. have you ever had an event on stage? No. Like, like a wet fart or something? You're like, oh, oh. No, I haven't. But interestingly enough, there's a new law that just got, well, it might be proposed, a new rule got proposed for the unified rules of mixed martial arts, where if you shit yourself, they stop the fight, hmm. which has happened before. Guys yeah. have shit themselves like Out in the of middle of a fight. Just like loss of sphincter control. Yeah, man. Sometimes you got to go. Like sometimes it's diarrhea. So, sometimes someone could kick you in the fucking gut and just blast it out the back. There like, was a guy named yeah. Michael Chiesa who was a very good fighter, and he was fighting Benil Dariush, I believe. Yes, that's what the fight was. And Benil Dariush, it was a big because I remember it was a big victory for him because he choked Benil Dariush out. 
which was uh, giant because Benil Dario, which is like super respected jiu-jitsu black belt. Mm. And uh, Michael Chiesa, as he got into the octagon, looked over me and goes, dude, I might shit my pants. <laughs> he goes, I might shit my pants right right while the fight's going on. I'm like, seriously? I was like, took my headphones off. I'm like, seriously? He's like, yeah, I'm going to shit my pants. And so like, okay, I know. And so like, I'm holding this in the back of my head. I'm like, I definitely shouldn't bring it up unless it becomes an issue. Because I don't want the public to yeah. like dwell on that. Right. I want them to enjoy this great fight. Right. And then he got through it without shitting himself. And then uh, you know, I asked him after like off mic, I'm like, did you almost shit yourself? He's like, dude. He goes, I came out of here, I was convinced I was going to shit myself. I used to get, like before I would go on a TV show or do a big public speaking thing where there are going to be a lot of people there, I would like five, ten minutes before... I was supposed to go on stage, I'd be like, I need to take a dump. Like, right. I, I need to do it right now. I've taken a few dumps here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm more, I'm more relaxed now. That's what it's for. Uh, but I think there's a, it's like a, you know, a fight or flight thing. Yeah. I think animals get that oh, too. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is, I got to like get my shit together literally yeah. and get it out of me. So I'm light. Yeah. You know? There was a, well, it's also your body does not want to waste any resources dealing with that. Right. Because it feels like there's like some catastrophe about to take place. Right. There's a video of these two bears, these giant bears, and it was uh, in that movie Grizzly Man, that, oh, that crazy great. dude that Fern lived Herzog. up. Herzog. Yeah. yeah, I love Ooh, that what film. What a great movie. Yeah. But these two bears are fighting, and while they're fighting, they start shitting. Yeah. Because their body's just like, look, whatever this is, get it out, get yeah. it out. Yeah. We're, we're going to war here. We're, we're, we're not focusing. processing. Yeah, no, no thought whatsoever and no resources yeah. drawn away from the muscles to process the food. Yeah. Have you ever done that, like eating a big meal and then try to work out? I never try to work out. <laughs> but if you did, no, no, I know what you, you would realize. You're heavy. Like, you're, you got nothing. There's yeah. no energy. Yeah. No energy. It's it's yeah. fascinating because it's like yeah. like you. It's almost like if you were a pie chart, you could see like right. there's a segment of that chart that is now missing. Yeah, you can kind of do it. You can kind of work out, but you definitely can't like run a marathon or anything right. crazy you can't i mean if if you do you'll, yeah. you'll be hurting oh the fucking wim hof man you know he, he's yeah. been on your show a bunch of times i hung out with him for like a week in the pyrenees and went up to his place in holland and like oh, sort of became wow. friends i mean that's an example of what i'm talking about i want to know these people yeah you know like yeah. when i reached out to them they were like yeah we'll set up a thing you can do a skype and i was like fuck i don't want to do a skype i want to meet this dude you know like tell me give me a day i'll fly to holland right i was in spain at the time so it wasn't a big flight but anyway i was talking to him about it and it's like he's run all these marathons in the fucking desert with no water and in the arctic and you know yeah yeah but the dude doesn't work out no he runs marathons he doesn't work out he doesn't run because i hate running yeah I'm like, well, how do you run a marathon if you don't train? He's like, oh, it's just the mind. Yeah, I don't know well, what he's talking about. I ran a 5K I and I was ready to die. <laughs> I run up the fucking driveway out of breath. I, and, I don't run. And yeah. uh, I ran a 5K and I was like, wow, this is actually difficult. I'm like, I'm in great shape. I'm like, this, I'm going to be able to do this. I work out all the time. I'm like, I'm just going to go on this run. It's going to be just a, a thing I do. Uh-uh. Because you're not used to using those muscles in that way, or was yeah. it? It was, was also, it cardiopulmonary. I, I ate a waffle oh. covered with peanut butter and then covered with maple syrup. I gave myself an excuse. I'm like, I'm gonna run this crazy you're race today. Carb up. I'm gonna carb up. Yeah, but my body's just not used to eating that nonsense. <laughs> so I think it it had shut down production of a lot of key ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> there was definitely that. I, I was feeling it like while I was running. I was I could feel. Like the, the, the gases from the waffle coming up my throat. <laughs> I can taste it. kick it in. The peanut butter and syrup together. Uh, yeah. So much sugar. Yeah. Um, but it's all just 
you know, your feet, your feet aren't used to running on, con it was on concrete, you know, uh, it's like yeah. the whole thing is weird. Yeah, and the shocks on your knees and your yeah. ankles. You ever read Born to Run? You know no, book? no, but I, I I do know the premise of it. Christopher about, McDougall. It's about the the way shoes running shoes are developed. Yeah, yeah and how our, our bodies are designed to run on the balls of mm -hmm. our feet. And he goes down in the lives with the Tarahumara Indians in Mexico and the Barranca del Cobre, where I was in 1988. I was back there with those Indians. And they run in like really thin shoes or barefoot. Barefoot, or they make these sandals out of. Uh, tire, yeah, you know, and yeah. it's just strapped on their foot. It's mm -hmm. just a thing, yeah, and they run forever. Yeah, yeah, well, that's how the body's meant, and I mean, we're we're meant to use the foot as this amazing shock absorber. You know, you land on the ball of the foot, right. it, it calf gives muscle. In. That's what the yeah. calf muscle's for. Yeah. yeah, and also the arch, and there are all these bones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy. It's one of the short. It's like the birth thing. I you just know, saw this thing yesterday. The sock is it's the same thing. I mean, it's supposed to be replacing. That barefoot feeling, I suppose. It's a really expensive sock. It's like eighty bucks. Just a sock? But what kind of a? F <clears throat> it's made. It shows at the end of the video. It shows what it's made of. It's got some sort of spray polymer that's like fifteen times stronger than steel. Whoa! So you can like do rock climbing, tightrope walking. You can oh, run wow. outside, and it's just as. Uh, if, I guess it feels like silk. It feels just like a sock. Holy well, shit! I'm pretty huh. interested in it. I don't know if, how legit it is, but dude, let's get new. it. It's pretty new. I work out barefoot most of the time. I work out barefoot when I do kickboxing, work out barefoot if I do jiu-jitsu, work out barefoot if I lift weights. I do almost everything barefoot. Occasionally, I'll do like an elliptical machine or something like that with shoes on. But I feel like when you are barefoot, like I do yoga barefoot, obviously. I feel like when you're barefoot, you can feel your toes are like digging into the ground. They're all engaging. And right. I just, it, I feel like it makes a big difference. And a lot of the nervous system terminates in the sole of the feet. So there's, in Chinese medicine, there's a lot of... Uh, um, attention paid, you know, a reflexology is about how, you know, is that this, real? I don't know how real it is, but it is real that the, a lot of the nervous system terminates at the soles of the feet. That's why foot massage feels so good. Mm. And so the theory is with this barefoot shit is that by having that experience you're describing where your toes are digging in and you're feeling your weight being, mm -hmm. you know, shifting in different parts of your foot, having that part of your body alive and active is really good for your overall psychological health and nervous mm. health that makes sense it does make sense yeah it just feels good to do and there's feels like you're and that's like the thing digging into things the feel good for a reason yeah right you right. know the, we're evolved to to have them feel good because it's good for us Which brings us back to beating off or fucking or, one of those or, dog things or i jerking think off a dog with a i wonder your foot we should call that company and ask questions and they say like what kind of dog do you have oh i don't have a dog <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's some nefarious intentions <laughs> i just like watching dogs fuck robots <laughs> it's just for yeah dogs that wander by yeah my uh friend joe when i was growing up joe spagnola he had a um he had a, a dog that was this like really ornery little dog, and this dog had a stuffed animal that it would fuck, <laughs> and it would yeah, just yeah. bite this stuffed animal and fuck the shit out of it. And you'd come over his house, Joe Spags. You'd go over his house, and his dog would be fucking the shit out of this stuffed animal. And you're like, whoa, how did he clean it? 
I don't know, man. You couldn't even go near that thing. That dog would be like, <laughs> <laughs> he would get ferocious <laughs> if you tried to get near his stuffed animal. Yeah. He was a little tiny ass dog too. I don't remember what he was. Well, that's like your friend with the restraining order, man. Love is love, yeah. you know. <laughs> There's no way around it. What are you gonna do? But that dog was obsessed. Like that was his world. His world was like biting the stuffed animal and just fucking the shit out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Hey, somebody uh, asked me to raise an issue with you. Okay. Uh, apparently, you've you're under the impression that everyone died at thirty in prehistory. Is that true? Uh, I I joke around about that all the time. That uh, lifespans okay. were incredibly low a long time ago. Like, okay. People lived to be like thirty. You know, it's hyperbole for the most part. Uh, okay. Good. I know. I know people did leave love live longer. Right. But the age that people died, the average age was much lower than it is today. Just because lots of babies died. So it's is that all it is? Yeah, it's a mathematical average. But oh, no our kidding. species, by design, by has evolved to live into our sixties and seventies. And hunter gatherers who get through the first few years where there's a lot of risk. Oh, uh, so it's a you Ten. thing. Oh, so it's all rounded it's out. It's a math to, thing, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Because I was under the impression that you know people just got died of violence and a lot of diseases by the time they were in their 30s. No, most of the diseases that we suffer from are the result of agriculture. Mm. So you look at all the major killers of, of humans. You know, Swine flu. From pigs, right? right. Chicken pox from mm -hmm. chickens, obviously. Avian bird uh, flu. All the flus come yeah. from domesticated but, uh, go birds. Go back to that, Jamie. What are you posting up there? Human lifespan nearly constant for 2,000 years. Whoa. So like ultimate lifespan? But what I was talking about mostly is disease and violence. Yeah, the, the violence thing is overrepresented. If you, Unless you live in Mongolia. If you read the, yes, what is it, 75? Yeah, I don't know if that looks like prehistory. Is this not good? Okay. Well, a life expectancy for men in 1907 was 45 years. 45 years. By 1957, it rose to 66. 2007, it reached 75. Unlike the most recent increase in life expectancy, which is attributed largely to a decline in half of the leading causes of death, including heart disease, homicide, and influenza. The increase in life expectancy between 1907 and 2007 was largely due to the decreasing, decreasing infant mortality rate, which is like 9.99%. That's interesting. So what that is like is like the wage gap, uh, the gender wage gap issue. Right. Where a lot of people say, they, they love to quote that thing, that say that men make so much more money than women, that women make sort of 80 cents to the dollar. Right. But they're doing different jobs. Right. So, like, you think about it, you go, wow, there's an injustice going on. And then you realize, like, well, maybe there is some sexism, but this is not what they're talking about when they're saying this. Right. They're talking about different jobs. Um, the men are at higher risk. They die more often on the job. Men, like, when they're, they almost exclusively populate the community of miners and, you know, lumberjacks and shit like that, where people get hit by trees right yeah and women take time off when they mm -hmm. have kids and they also work less hours yeah. they're less crazy you know some men will fucking work themselves to death where very yeah. few women will yeah take it and to there, that level. there certainly are uh, plenty of examples of men and women doing exactly the same job and women are getting paid less i'm right? sure it must so, happen but, but it's not statistically statistically it's not what you're talking yeah about. and yeah. you know what they attribute yeah. that from the when women get less they think that one thing to be considered when you look at that is that women might not be as aggressive when they're negotiating a starting salary right and that men may be more confident and cocksure of their worth and right. you know more cocky with how they uh, who knows though i don't 
but it's one of those things. So I was under the impression that people did die. Yeah, like, well, most people are under that impression. I've I've had I've spoke you know given talks at medical schools and stuff, and all these doctors think that everyone died at thirty five. A thirty five uh, year old was old. That's interesting. And they're like, and it works its way into medicine where they're like, okay, look, the reason you have chronic back pain is that the human body was not evolved to live beyond thirty five, and so of course you have wear and tear and things like. That's totally false. The human body's evolved to live into the 70s. So it's a statistical thing. It's like if Bill Gates moves into your neighborhood, suddenly everyone's average annual salary is hundreds of millions of dollars, right? So if you count all these infants who died in prehistory, many of whom, by the way, died from infanticide, like twins normally are not allowed to survive. The the weaker one is left in the woods to die. What? Yeah. Any sort of deform and malformality. They would just know? leave them in the woods by themselves? Yeah. What a cruel way to handle it. Yeah. Ooh, that's God. dark, man. They would leave them to wolves. That's fucked up, man. Yeah. Leave your baby in a basket and run away. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, there's a lot of Ooh. a lot of infanticide. But you know, in our world A lot of it, huh? Yeah. Was just because the times were harder then and it was more accepted that you were gonna have to do some terrible things that you didn't want to do? Well, it's just that you know, if a kid's born physically fucked up in some way. <sighs> You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna have the resources, and that right. kid's not gonna that person's not gonna grow up to contribute to the group, and so generally, and and also there's a different sense of life and death, right? You know, I think where death is much more a daily presence, it's not that big a deal. So we're all gonna die. There, mm. I was reading about a tribe in the Amazon. Uh, I can't remember the name of the tribe, but. When someone gets too old to keep up with the group, someone is chosen randomly, like they have a lottery or pick the shortest straw or whatever it is, and their job is to come up behind this old person and hit him in the back of the head with a hatchet. Oh, boy. Right. And no one wants to do it. It really sucks, but everyone agrees it has to be done, and it's the least cruel option that they've come up you with. You gotta be real careful the dude who keeps signing up for that job. <laughs> exactly. I me, got it. Me, me. I got it, dude. I'm good with the hatchet. But Look you at just my did it last bro. time, like Joe. Popeye. Joe, you've killed nine old ladies this hey, month. Hey, hey, this bitch is gone. It's over. Okay, we're just letting her suffer. Oof. Yeah. That's weird, man. Yeah. That's a weird gig. So anyway, Oof. no human being has ever been old at the age of 40. Look at this. Heartbreaking pictures of parents leaving their children in China's notorious baby hatches. Oh, yeah. What is that? Well, that's that's probably girls. The moment of despair as parents cling to their children for one last time before abandoning them in China's so-called baby hatches. The father kisses his child, her face hidden in a blanket. The mother holds her hooded baby as their shadows are cast upon the last door they will pass through together. Another collapses to the ground, reaching out to touch her son for the last time. What in the fuck? Oh my God, the baby, this is, she says in quotes, my baby cannot take care of itself when it grows up. One woman cries, explaining that her infant has Down syndrome. I just want my baby to survive, she tells the Information Times news based in, I don't know how to say that, Guangzhou. She had an accompanying female friend leave, both in tears. Fuck, man. Well, this has been happening forever. I mean, we have safe baby drop-offs here. Oh. Every hospital has a sign that it's a safe baby drop-off. Oof. Take that off the screen, sir. And in uh, medieval Europe, it was so common that they had r- these little boxes that 
um, rotated. And so you could leave your baby and just spin the box. So you didn't have to look at and it? And no one would ever see you. No oh. one would see who was dropping it off. It was anonymous. Oh, my God. Very common. They're called uh, foundling hospitals. And over 90% of the babies left there died within oh. a year. Boy. In Germany, they had what, what are they called? Angel makers. Uh, this, <sighs> and this is through the beginning of the 20th century up to World War II. It was a nanny that you hired with the understanding that your baby was going to die. Wow. So it was like a babysitter who's going to kill your baby. Oh, my God. Yeah. So you would hire this nanny because your kid had Down syndrome or some sort of a disease or something like that? Or it was born, like, out of wedlock, oh you know, God. whatever. And so the nanny would kill the baby? Yeah. Oh, my God. And they called them angel makers. The idea that infanticide was statistically significant, that it's significant in the death of the population, that that was so common. Yeah. Well, I mean, today we have abortion and I don't want to get into, you know, heavy shit, but like now if a baby's inconvenient or there's a disease that's detected or whatever, you know, cut it off at the pass, you cut it off at the pass. In those days there wasn't. So it was sort of postnatal abortion, essentially. I feel like abortion is one of those subjects where immediately upon breaching the subject, there's a tension in the room. I've just felt it. I yeah. apologize for it. No, yeah. I mean, no, it's, it, you're right. There's no way. Because the thing is, both sides are right. Right. That's the problem. You're 100% right. Yeah. That's 100% the problem. Yeah. And there are a lot of issues like that. Yeah. It's one of those things where people scream at you and get crazy and they'll pick a side and it's death and it's this and it's that. And it's, it's a woman's choice to choose. And it's, you're both right. You're both right. Like I got in an argument once with a comedian about it and he, it was about Richard Dawkins was talking about a, um, it was on Twitter that an embryo, a human embryo, is like, it's almost no different than a pig embryo. Like he was making this like about at, you know, six weeks of life or whatever yeah. it would be. A very, very, very early age. Yeah. I guess not even, that wouldn't even be an embryo, right? What would it be? Well, it's still an embryo. It's What's not an a embryo? fetus yet. Then becomes, right, yeah. okay. So an embryo is the earliest stages. And he was comparing it to uh, a pig. And I was like, well, you know how crazy that is? That's a ridiculous thing to say because it's not going to be a pig. But if you leave it alone, it's going to be a person. So you know it's going to grow into be a person. Like it's th like saying that it's no different than a pig is totally disingenuous. Right. So I mean, this comedian we were arguing, and he started calling me a right winger. He's like saying that I was that I was right wing. I'm like, I am not right wing, but you are definitely killing a person that's about to be born. Hmm. I mean, that's what you're doing. You're cutting it off. Whether you cut it off at three cells or three months, it's the same thing. It really is. is I mean, it? It be it's not. It's not. It becomes. <laughs> it becomes much more like a baby. It yeah. looks more like a baby. Yeah. It's more. It's more intense of a, a procedure. Right. But once the process is started, you've decided at various stages of the way that it becomes okay. You know, like late-term abortions are frowned upon by almost everybody, right? When you get into the fucking the last couple of weeks of a baby's life, you can't really, or uh, before it gets Fetus, birth, yeah. nobody, very few people are going to agree that you could just suck out the baby with a vacuum when it's nine months old. You yeah. know, that's, that's a little intense, right? right? Almost everybody agrees that's a little intense. So that means that we all have some sort of a reasonable cutoff, anybody who believes in abortion. We have some sort of a reasonable cutoff where we accept it. When it's a bundle of cells, when it's a few, when it looks like a fish, like when is it okay? When's it okay? And I, that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't be able to do it. And it's definitely not my choice. I don't have a body that makes yeah. babies. And do you think it starts at conception or is jerking know. off killing millions of sperm no, cells? No, because jerking off doesn't ever make that connection. There's not, it's not a, a viable so it is conception. process that started. I mean, I don't necessarily think life starts at conception. I mean, I literally have 
I mean, if someone can prove, like if you had a turkey tester that pops up when you're pregnant, like the moment, <laughs> bink, oh shit, we got one, and you could just push that sucker down, yeah. and that egg would uh. shoot out, that fertilized egg would shoot out of your pussy, and then that would be a wrap. I got no problem with that, right? I don't have a problem with any of it. Uh. I mean, I do, I, th I think intellectually, I, don't, I wouldn't say I have a problem with it, because again, I submit that I don't have a vagina, I don't have ovaries, I don't right. have a womb, I'm not right. making babies. I have an opinion and that's it. There's right. no way I should be able to say yes or no. When I yeah. see it as this weird sort of a, a situation where yeah. we've figured out a way to terminate life inside the body where we can't see it yet. Yeah. It hasn't come out and said, hi, hi daddy. It hasn't done that yet. So we could, uh, we could hit the brakes. Okay, I don't want to do it. Woo, we figured it out. I, I don't think that there's, I don't necessarily think it's wrong or right. But it is a thing. Yeah. You know, it's a thing. And people require that you speak of this thing in the way they speak of this thing. Right. And if you don't, they are fucking ready to duke. They're ready to duke it I'm out. I'm with you. Because I, I, the, the differentiation is the pro-choice pro pro people are saying it's not a life. Right. And the other people are saying you're killing a living thing, a, right. a, a person. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm in there where it's like, no, you are killing something, mm -hmm. but it's not a person. Not yet. So right. I agree with both. Right. You know, but, but fundamentally, I agree with what you just said, which is it's really none of my fucking business. It's not my body. And, it and is no woman can tell me whether to get a vasectomy or not or a prostate exam or whatever the fuck it is. They just passed a law in, I don't know, Arkansas or somewhere that husbands need to be informed before a woman can have an abortion and a husband can stop it even if she's been raped. That's medieval. Ooh. That's ownership of yeah. another person. Yeah, a husband or a wife being able to tell the other one what they can or can't do with a medical procedure that's illegal. Yeah. That becomes like an owner that definitely becomes an ownership issue. Like if your wife told you you couldn't get a vasectomy, right. you, I, I will not allow it. You're right. like, what? Yeah. I will not allow you to eat meat either. Yeah. I will not allow you to have ice cream, you fat fuck. Yeah. You know, like all of a sudden, like she decides what you're going to eat. I don't, will not allow you to keep that haircut, People Chris Ryan. People talk that way all the time. Yeah, they're like, crazy. Oh, I would never let my husband blah, blah, blah. Like, what? Jesus. Your husband's a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> there is yeah, it. well, and your wife is, you know, under threat mm -hmm. or in, in, you know, under ownership if she allows the same sort of a situation, like a guy makes yeah. her do things. Yeah. yeah I've known uh, people that their uh, their husbands have made them get plastic surgery. Ah, oh, Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Talk him into it, you know? I want you to do this for me. Yeah. Get the yeah. big tits. Yeah. Get the lips. I want those lips. Oh, the lips. Oh, man. Why do you do something about your nose? I don't like your nose. It's bogging me. You could be prettier, baby. I'd show you off. Weird. Show Weird. you off. You fix your nose. And then there are those people who like who like fatties, you know, the, mm. the, they, they feed the other person. It's mm. part of their eroticism to feed you as much as possible mm. so you'll get as fat because I love getting, you know. It's yeah, like, that's not cool. Very strange. People are fucking weird, man. <laughs> I, you know, I don't think hunter-gatherers are kinky. No? This, no, this is the thing. I think kink is a response to a fucked up environment. Mm. So I think- Repression. In a, yeah, it's pr this weird pressure. It's yeah. conflict between the impulse and, so, uh, and what's allowed, so it comes out in this weird, distorted way. I think that makes total sense. So, yeah, hunter-gatherers, there's not, as far as I know, there's no evidence of kink. It's hard to get latex, let's face it, right. in the jungle. Although, that's where it comes from, originally. Have you ever met Wade Davis, by the way? No. You should meet that guy. Who's He's Wade fascinating. Davis? I just had him on my podcast. He's oh. a ethnobotanist. Does he live around here? He lives in Vancouver. 
Um, but he's an author. I'm sure he comes to L.A. regularly. But uh, he's the guy. Actually, we were talking about 5-MeO-DMT. He, was, he and Andrew Weil isolated that for the first time. Whoa. Uh, as white people, anyway. Whoa. He studied at Harvard, then he went to the Amazon for a long time. He worked, lived with a lot of tribes there. Very interested in hallucinogens. He's written a bunch of books. His first book was about voodoo, um, something about the horsemen of the apocalypse or something like that. Huh. He wrote a book called One River. He's written seven or eight books. He's a National Geographic explorer in residence. He's this super Damn. badass dude. Damn. I told one of his stories on your podcast a long time ago about this Eskimo dude, old guy, and the family said, Grandpa, you, you know, we got to take away the keys to the snow machine because you, you can't see so well. And he's like, fuck you guys. And that night he went out. It was winter in the Arctic somewhere. He took a shit and he fashioned a blade from his shit. Oh, Do you yeah, remember that carved story? himself out of the snow. Well, he killed the dogs, and he made a harness out of the one dog's skin and a little sled out of the dog's uh, ribs, and then he like tied in three or four other dogs, and then he fucking took, a, took off across the tundra. Anyway, that's a Wade Davis story. He's like... He so he made insane. a knife out of his own shit. He he, he folded his knife, folded. So he, he, yeah. he forms the blade, and out then he takes shit. some some. He freezes, and then he takes some spit, and he rubs it along the edge, and apparently that's what gives it the razor sharpness. Yeah, and then he fucking kills, kills his dog with a shit knife. <laughs> that's right. I remember that. There's another there story. Wade Davis. Davis. How I bought zombie poison in America inside yeah. of the eclectic court of award-winning. Writer Wade Davis, yeah. former National Geographic explorer in residence, ethnobotanist, and park ranger. He's a wow. super cool guy. Jesus Christ. What a yeah. life that guy's lived. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, again, that's a guy, like, I want to fucking meet these guys. Oh, yeah. You know? I 100%. Don't, yeah. So he's cool. He's up in Vancouver. Well, listen, man, unfortunately, I got a book. Yeah. We can do this, this a long all time. the time, though, man. You're yeah. uh, you're in the, you're back in the States. I'm back. I am. Thank I God. got nothing to sell. I got nothing to promote. Doesn't matter, man. The lazy hippie lifestyle. But That's it, promote man. your podcast. Tangentially you speaking, go. it's a hilarious, awesome podcast. Um, and you do it fairly recently, every or week. fairly often, every week. Yeah, every week. Least. Okay, yeah. cool. That's awesome. And let's do this more often, dude. You're around. I'm here. Fuck yeah. 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 And uh, it's that Chris Ryan now. It used to be Chris Ryan PhD on Twitter, but Duncan Trussell fucking ruined all that. <laughs> Him and Brendan Walsh. They stole my PhD, those fuckers. They, they put PhD next to their name, and it's, now PhD doesn't mean anything anymore. It's so it's that Chris Ryan. Yeah. Thanks, brother. It was Thank awesome, you. man. Yeah, you too. See you guys. Bye. Bye.